in Chicago. <laughs> Not another film podcast. Oh, there are. This is. <laughs> this I like is... how I embarrassed myself before we started recording, and then I made Eric embarrass himself so that the slate would be clean. We're all Golden Globe nominees, and that we're all kind of jokers. Um, <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> this is the uh, podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2019. However. The last couple episodes we did were not what we normally do. We did a top 15 countdown of the best movies of the decade. We've got a top 10 movies of the year coming out later on. And today, we are doing a retrospective on a little franchise known as Star Wars. <laughs> Ever fucking heard of it, folks? It's the biggest franchise in the world. It is. It is, for now. For now. <laughs> and Mar Marvel might be. I think Marvel technically is. Money-wise, but that's like 30 Money plus wise. movies. Disney yeah. still wins, y'all. No matter what, that Thanos, Mickey Mouse has collected all the stones. He's getting he's getting his stone And now collection. he's a Jedi. <laughs> and now he's a Jedi. Yep. Awesome. So, what we're going to do... Uh, well, oh, first off, I'm dumb. Uh, Hi, dumb. On, <laughs> I'm dumb. Hi. Go on iTunes and uh, give us five stars. Leave us reviews. Uh, check us out. Before you even listen to this episode. Yeah. Yes. Trust us. I want to start doing this at the beginning of episodes now to try and boost reviews. Yeah. Hey, search your feelings. I... You know it to be true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most podcasts do it at the beginning of an episode. I always wait till the end. I don't give a shit yeah. what other podcasts do. Fuck off other podcasts. Well, it looks like I'm surrounded by light and dark side right here. Waka waka. Okay, so what we're going to do today with this episode. First off, I am joined by Lauren Thompson. How are you doing today? I'm great. Fantastic. I am joined by Eric Eilerson. How are you doing today? I've waited all my life for this week. That's exactly right. And my name is Ian Gears. I'm one of your other co-hosts. We are going to break down all... 11 canonical theatrical releases in the Star Wars oeuvre. Concisely. Concisely. We have a timer, and we are going to dedicate five minutes to each movie. At the end of those five minutes, any gripe that we put forward, <laughs> Eric gets to have a 30-second rebuttal. Eric, you are also allowed to talk in these five minutes. We cannot talk over each other because it's a little bit of time and we got to try and squeeze in as much as we could squeeze in. Also, for new people, why does Eric have that authority? Eric, you want to tell us why you have that authority? I, I can. I love the Star Wars more than most things in my life. Um, and that has led to me working for a website called utini.com, which is all about the Star Wars books and comics. I host a weekly podcast called The Living Force. Hashtag The Living Force Pod. Thank you, baby. Uh, where we talk about uh, the books and comics as it relates to the films. So I work a lot within the Star Wars stuff. I've, I consume all the content and do other stuff about that. So I, I am very, I'm very closely emotionally connected to all of it. And, well, and I am a diehard defender of every piece of Star Wars, no matter what, so this will be a test of my skills. Yes, yes, and I can only speak for myself. I am just a huge fan of the franchise. Uh, lo I've loved this franchise for a very long time. Uh, Lauren, what about you? Where do you stand with Star Wars? Big fan. Big fan. Uh, real quick, I just want to ask, do you remember <clears throat> the first time you watched one of these movies, and which movie was it? Um, Lauren, I'll go with you first. Uh, I watched New Hope with my mom on VHS. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And you enjoyed it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I... It's one of those movies where I know the first time I watched it, I was too young to really get it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Like, I definitely watch, like, I have memories. It's a deep film. I, I have memories of watching the film, like, when I was younger and, like, was kind of still, like, forming memories. Um, and, you know, like, enjoying it, enjoying the imagery, but not, like, it just didn't sink in on any level until, I think for me, I want to say until the prequels came out and then I, like, you know, it, it had a resurgence in, like, the popular culture. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I, like, actually dove into the series and got, like, really into the prequels for a while there in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know many kids who were not super into the prequels. Agreed. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, Agreed. I definitely went through a phase where I was, like, into it. I yeah. loved Attack of the Clones when I was younger. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll talk briefly about mine. We'll end on you, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. I, I, my parents were not huge Star Wars fans. Uh, so I ended up going to see this movie when they re-released <laughs> A New Hope in theaters for the 20th anniversary in 97. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember going with a friend and his parents. Um, it was just like, eh, fucking take my kid to the movies. I don't know. And <laughs> I went and saw Star Wars A New Hope and saw it on the big screen, and it blew me away, and I was obsessed with those movies ever <laughs> since. Eric, what about you? Uh, mine is word for word the same as Lawrence. Mo- oh, yeah. To mom, VHS, uh, Too Young, prequels all of it the exact same um my mom and i have seen every star wars movie in the theaters we didn't see the special edition re-releases uh, but from episode one on <clears throat> i have seen every star wars movie including the anthologies with my mom in theaters and i'm going to continue that tradition on sunday fantastic i love that all right shall we dive in i'm very very timothy shallowy all right let me get my stopwatch ready he's not in star wars yet not yet but i, I I feel like he could be. Well, when the Greta Gerwig um, Jabba the Hutt series comes on to Disney+, Chalamet is going to be recast as Bid Fortuna. So. I bet it's going to be warm and lovely and make me feel like home. That's going to be great. Let's do it. All right. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. This movie came out in 1999 and was written and directed by George Lucas. Yes, it was. Okay. Lauren, what's your first point about this movie? Do you uh, like this movie? No. It's an irrelevant movie. <laughs> Lauren, I can't help but agree with you on this. You uh, could delete it from the wider Star Wars canon, and I don't think you would miss anything. Yay. I I actively think this movie is awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> upon rewatching it, uh, I thought it was bad when I when I last time I saw it in college, and upon rewatching it, woof, and I repeat, woof. Um, not only do I think this movie is horribly offensive. Uh, with the stereotypes of the Viceroys and uh, Jar Jar Binks and Watto uh, and Sebulba. But I just, I think this movie is so garishly designed that I just, I can't get behind it. Um, And not to mention how completely correct you are, Lauren, in that I find this movie to be pretty irrelevant. But Darth Maul, that really cool fight sequence, and Duel of the Fates rocks. Duel of Fates does rock. I very much enjoy that. Eric, where does it fall for you? Um... It's, it falls near the bottom of my rankings, but you're both wrong because it says that the entire mythology of Star Wars, and here's why, you motherfuckers. So, when we think about Star Wars, a lot We're of people think We're not even of, in the 30 seconds. I know, but we here's... We already said, fuck the format. Exactly. Uh, but I think it says that the Jedi Council is a thing. We had no idea what that was beforehand. Fantastic. It's, I'm going to rebut while I still have time it. to rebut. The Jedi Council's completely useless, oh, no. and they're completely horrible at all of their jobs. Yes. I completely understand why they get toppled, and yes. honestly, Palpatine's the hero of the prequels. The point, the point of the Jedi Council being toppled is the point of the entire thing because they got their arrogance got in the way of their whole thing. They stopped listening to the Force as a whole, so they were blinded to the darkness growing on them. It's a story about politics and how people don't understand the evilness that's right under their noses. Yes. Could you not have had an alternate version of Part 1 where Anakin was already an adult 
and we got to see a film of him and Obi-Wan actually being friends and building a relationship, and that could have also established the Jedi Council. You need the innocence of a child. Do you, though? Do yeah. you? Could You could have, like, the innocence of a young guy. You can have, like, an 18-year-old who we grow to, like, really love. I don't think that it needs to be we a child. We do that. It's Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but we, like... We have that story. Yeah, but people in the Star Wars fandom love retelling the same story. I was going to say, we've retold the same story in three different trilogies. But that's, yeah, that's the thing about Anakin, the fact that we get this young kid who is in, who, who has just come from nothing. He's an orphan. He's kind of trying to care of his mom in a weird way. He has no idea about what the world is, except that he wants to explore and he's innocent. So we need to get him when he's young so that we can watch his giant fall. And that's exactly more. right. Qui-Gon Jinn does get him when he's young, when he, he steals him away from her mother, his mother on Tatooine. Oh, he is nine years older than most Padawans. Here, answer. Uh, 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 rebuttal. Uh, could that not have been achieved in the first opening sequence of a movie about him mostly as an adult? Yes. Probably. Why is he introduced an, 45 minutes into the movie? Did we need an entire film about it? Because I think Star Wars, at the end of the day, is about Anakin. Well, the first... <laughs> it's not about the Skywalkers? No, it's about Asset Anakin Skywalker. It isn't about the Skywalkers, but it also is about the mythology of the world as well. If it was only about the story of Anakin Skywalker, I think you could have. But it's also setting up the larger galactic universe, and George is much more interested in that. That being said, the movie is very flawed as far as filmmaking goes. Don't get me wrong. It's my second to last least favorite movie. But as you look at it with effort, as I do, I'll admit, for at least episodes one and two, I watch them actively. I actively make myself remember things about the universe, actively make myself sidestep things that I don't enjoy in favor of the things that I do, because I, I have actively chosen to enjoy these as I watch them. But it, that is not a passive thing as it is with the later films. Sure. I will acknowledge that absolutely. So you can understand people not being fans of this movie. Yes, totally. I will I will not. You can acknowledge the fact that this script is horribly written, it's terribly paced, and the fact that I'm going to say this and you're going to get mad, Qui-Gon Jinn's a completely irrelevant character in the canonical films. Yes. I'm sure he means a lot he in just the got, EU. No, he just got better in the EU. That's the thing. He didn't for a long time until Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray came out last year. Completely changed his character. And Great now episode watching... on the Living Force podcast. Thank your, you, your review of that. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, that that book literally changed all of Qui-Gon's character, and people are like, oh, right, this awesome dude, he doesn't bow to the council because he was asked to be on the council anyway. But ultimately, The Phantom Menace fails in so many parts of filmmaking, um, yet ultimately <laughs> it is not worth sending death threats to Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd for being bad actors as happened after this movie. I don't movie. think anyone's saying that. I'm just saying... Oh, no, people not... were. That's the thing. No, I'm not saying that that is justified. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that, like, also those shitty people don't detract from the fact that there are genuine problems with the film. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that the problems with, with each film um, have been learned from and, like, what I'll keep saying with the prequels, uh, stuff in the Clone Wars TV show actively acts to adjust that stuff and reframe it in the audience's mind. Yeah. Um, because you can't change the movie, George, but you can go forward with new content. Okay, we have 10 seconds left, and I just want to get get this in. Do you think we could have gotten the story of Anakin Skywalker as a child being pulled away by Obi-Wan Kenobi instead of Qui-Gon Jinn, and what the fuck did Jar Jar Binks have to do with any of this? Okay, now you have 30 seconds. Go. All right, my 30-second rebuttal on that is Obi-Wan definitely could have taken him, but Obi-Wan was not ready to do that, and I think we needed a good evolution for him. Um, I also think that Jar Jar Binks is the kind of common person that isn't all related to the Jedi, but still has a part to play because George is all about anyone can be a hero. Um, and finally, I'm going to say what you need to know for the Rise of Skywalker from the Phantom Menace is the Jedi were at the peak of their power and they lost it all because they were too arrogant uh, that only they knew about the Force and no one else did. Time. All right. 
Fantastic. Ready to move on? Yeah, I forgot to say he hates that alarm sound. Oh, okay, good to know. So to stop it, do the microwave thing. Yeah, you heard, <laughs> you heard a little pup barking, and that was Eric's lovely pup, Morton. Buddy. Well, pup Morton. And he really does not like the sound of doorbells or alarms. So that's episode one, and we'll find out where it lands in all our rankings at the end of the show. All right. So from now on, when time is up, I will say bork bork. <laughs> Excellent. In honor of Morton. <clears throat> all right, episode two. Attack of the Clones. This movie came out in 2002. It is widely regarded by most people as the worst of the Star Wars films. I disagree. I actually think this movie is slightly better than The Phantom Menace because at least in every single frame of this movie, a hilarious amount of things are happening, Mm -hmm. including things that also make no goddamn sense. Yep. It's um, also the second longest current movie. And it feels it. Yep. Um, the dialogue between Padme Amidala and Anakin Skywalker in this movie, I think, is the grossest thing I've seen in any major motion picture in my life. It actively makes my skin crawl watching the scenes between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in this movie. I think he's a fucking creep. Lauren, anything? Anakin Skywalker's a fucking creep. He's, he's a creepy, creepy that. teenage dude. He sexually, sexually harasses his way into a marriage with a woman in this film. And he says, I don't think she liked me watching her sleep. That's a line that George Lucas thinks is romantic. She yeah. says, stop that. It's making me uncomfortable. It's bonkers. And he says, I'm sorry, my lady. And then, yeah. But he doesn't mean it. He no, does he doesn't. Not mean he it. says, I'm sorry, even I'm though sorry, I downloaded boy. the video and said, I'm He's also He's only a 19-year-old that was raised as a slave for a decade and then went to a school full of a bunch of virgins. Oh, you mean a slave like on Tatooine where <laughs> yeah. they get to live in their own house yeah. miles away from the shop they work at? and can escape it. No, we are, we are we are off except episode for one. the bombs we are in their head. He, he had, let it go. We have so much to discuss in this film, namely that Anakin Skywalker is a fucking creep and I don't <laughs> care what he does in Clone Wars. I don't care. I don't care what happens in the TV show. In the film, he is a creep. In this film, having not known what Clone Wars was going to be or come out, it, it it really, really freaks me out. Things I like about this movie. Gladiator fight. Gladiator fight. I, I like the Geonosian fights. Arena. I the, think it's pretty cool. This film increased the number of lightsabers in the saga by 85 times. Like We had yeah. seen Luke's lightsaber, Obi-Wan's lightsaber, Darth Maul's, uh, Qui-Gon's, Vader's. Like, and that's about it. And then this time, and then when the arena happens, you see fucking 200 and they're yeah. all fighting CGI bugs. And we were all, like, kids at this point, which is, like, that's the coolest shit yeah, I had ever seen. And that shit distracts you from the fact that the plot is nonsensical. Yeah. I could not, I have seen this film probably ten times at this point. I know you've seen it more. I could not explain to you the political machinations that drive this film to save my life. The thing that is bonkers to me in this movie, like, the cra- truly the craziest thing that I'm like, if you are watching this movie, if the Jedi are to be taken seriously, this scene shouldn't exist. And it's the scene where Obi-Wan goes to the Jedi library and finds out that, uh, oh my God, help me out with the name of the- Jocasta New. No, 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 the planet. Camino. Camino. Finds out the Camino has been scrubbed from all the records because- It was uh, not in the archives. It wasn't in the archives. It does not exist. Uh, And so he goes there and finds a, what is it, 20,000? 200,000 sl- uh, 200, clones? clones ready, a million more well on the way. Yeah, 200,000 clones ready for him. And they're and just like, hey, here's your invoice. You want to pick yeah. these up? And the Kaminoans, the first thing they say when they see Obi-Wan Kenobi is, oh, Mr. Kano- uh, Obi-Wan, we've been expecting you. We were afraid that you weren't going to come. That should be a giant red flag to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. Then when he sees the 200,000 clones are ready to go and a million more on the way, he should be a little freaked out. It takes him two more scenes to finally hologram to the Jedi Council and be like... Yo, guys, I think something's up here on Camino. It doesn't 
feel right to me. There are all these New Zealanders who are here, <laughs> and and they're all in clanker uniforms, and I don't really understand. One good thing about this, dope-ass fight in the rain with Django Fett. That shit's dope. Dude, Django Fett uh, could be Boba Fett in a fight any day of the week. Fight me. Yeah, he's Django Fett cool. is greater well, than yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, because Boba Fett's a dumb little 10-year-old. That's true. Yeah, especially in this movie, he could beat the shit out of Boba Fett. Yeah, really. In fact, I would have rather watched Django <laughs> Fett beat up his own son, his own clone son, that he's just kind of like, wait, you're making, uh, you're making clowns of me? Can I get one myself? I might need a new kidney in my life. Yeah. Like, no, no, he's totally been like the like the island, another Ewan McGregor movie. He's a farm, man. He is just a farm yeah. for Django Fett. But I think what this film can also do is is kind of, in its own really hard way, is show how Palpatine's plan is really starting to come into effect that eventually ends up coming to fruition in Intervention But I can't explain the plan even a little bit. I'll do it in 30 seconds. Uh, in also, 30 seconds. also, Count Dooku is not... Like, the main villain of this film is not introduced until way late in this film. And he's the only, for my money, the only good acting performance in this movie. You yeah. McGregor? You, what does he have to do? Nothing. Okay, there's 15 seconds left. There's a scene where Ewan McGregor jumps out a window to catch a droid that yes. has just been trying to do an assassination attempt on Padme. That is an Anakin move. He yep. rides this thing down, and then yep. Anakin picks him up in a car, and then Anakin jumps out of that fucking car. Why not just have Anakin jump out the window and Obi-Wan catch him in the car? It's that simple. Fork, fork, fork. Oh, cool, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that because. That's a longer thing. I want to talk about Palpatine and his big plan. So Palpatine's idea <laughs> is knowing that in order to run the, in order to take over the galaxy, you have to run the galaxy. And he knows that the Jedi have been on their own dicks for thousands of years because they haven't had to fight any Sith in a while. So they are lazy. They are relaxed. They have seamlessly put themselves into the Republic, which is off the rocker. They should not be involved in politics, but they are now because they're Republican treaties and shit. So Palpatine decided if I make up this threat and I control both sides of this war, I can make the Jedi slowly into generals by sucking their dicks and making them feel powerful. So by the end of it, when I turn on them, then people will say, well, they already turned on their own beliefs. So in this movie, Palpatine is making them slowly not recognize themselves. So by the end of three, they've already given away everything that made them Jedi fork, in the first fork, place. Fork. All right. Next up. Episode three, Revenge uh, of the Sith. I S think that there's a film in between those. There is. Oh, I am wrong. It's time to talk about Star Wars, The Clone Wars, 2008, Dave oh. Filoni. Uh, Eric is wearing the uh, Clone Wars t-shirt. I am. For those of you who have not seen this movie, it revolves... Oh, Eric, have you seen this film now? Yes, I have. I watched okay, it this week. I finally watched it. Yeah. That for, a, for a brief moment of time there... <laughs> There was a Star Wars film <laughs> that Ian and I had seen, and Eric had not. This is the pilot for The Mandalorian. It's... <laughs> it's, it's Prove it's, me wrong. It, it is. Except instead of a cute, adorable little baby Yoda, we get a gross, wretched-looking CGI Jabba the Hutt. Well, well, for, for, for the record, it's all CGI. It's all CGI. <laughs> we get it's, a Hutlet. Hutling. Hutling. That, a hu Stinky. Hutling. No, they call it a hutlet. Yeah. In, throughout the oh, it's a hutling. It hutling. It's a hutlet, which they, sounds they... like a menu item at most restaurants. Right. It does, yeah. Uh, and uh, which Ahsoka calls stinky for the whole yeah. movie. Ahsoka Tano, who is uh, introduced in this film, she's a Chagrutan Padawan that becomes the Padawan to Anakin Skywalker. Their relationship is fully explored in the Clone Wars TV series, which is a piece of fucking masterpiece art. And if you have not seen this movie, and uh, or if you've only seen this movie and not seen the series like I have... Then for most of this movie, you think this... How old is she? 14? 14. This 14-year-old girl is making fuck eyes at her master which, for the entire movie. Which, now that we're on this episode, I, you could not be more wrong. 
Sure. I didn't see it. I And I was looking for it because you told me to look for it. I didn't see it for a fucking second. It feels gross. I didn't uh. see it, but I also didn't care for her character a ton. Well, that's, that's like most of the Star Wars fandom. When Ahsoka first came out, a lot of people really hated her. Um, they hated it. They hated that's a it. shout out to uh, Binge Mode. Uh, Star Wars, uh, they really didn't like Ahsoka at all. And then by the end of the Clone Wars, well, honestly, by season like two or three of the Clone Wars, she became one of the most beloved characters. And now at this point in Star Wars fandom, um, a lot of folks that have been like following all the movies put Ahsoka in like top three, top five characters right there with Luke and Han. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But this is her first introduction. Yeah. She is a, four- I mean, she's a 14 year old. Absolutely. She is a little bit, uh, I mean, she has her whiny moments. She has her moments where she's not quite as, um, as mm-hmm. powerful or as like competent as she might need to, but this is the, this is the movie because it's animated, and I think Star Wars works super well in animation in that medium uh, that allows the Jedi to basically be superheroes. Like this counterpoint, is counterpoint. The animation looks bad in this film. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the animation. It looks like yeah. video yeah. game cutscenes. This came out when 2008. 2008. So this was their first. This was their basically pitch to make the series because Dave yeah, Filoni. Yeah, it's a pilot. It's it's basically the first three episodes of Clone Wars. I think it's yeah. It feels like that too yeah. because it doesn't feel like a film. Padme, no, 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 no. Padme it, comes in an hour into the movie. No, it's not a film. And it's, has the most disproportionate body I have ever seen on like this side of Laura Croft. Oh, I love the Clone Wars animation so hard. It's, I do. <laughs> I'm so used to it. I, I love it. Sure. It's Catherine uh, Tabor voice actress. But um, uh, yeah. It's just it was a movie that I found to just be like. I liked it that we got a little bit more of the Obi-Wan Anakin relationship yeah. that I feel like the clone the, the the prequels completely lack on. Yes, 100%. That being said, they're not with each other for any of the movie. So nope. it's like it's again why like show us one of these fucking experiences where Anakin has to save Obi-Wan's life like they talk about in the in like in the elevator for the next one. Mm-hmm. Or like show us like one of those things if we're going to do an extra like an extra story. Yeah, for me it also exists in this kind of the clone I feel about this about, about Clone Wars in general too where it feels like it exists in this weird liminal space in canon where just like Ahsoka is is set up as like such important character to Anakin and his journey mm-hmm. and like the wider Star Wars canon and yet it it is and if you have that it seems baffling that she is not even mentioned in the films. Yeah. It seems baffling when we get to Revenge of the Sith, and I like did research where it's like, no, like Ahsoka is allegedly like part of the reason that he turns against the Jedi Council. Yeah, and yes. like that is a huge bit, but but somehow she never managed, like they yeah. never, she never comes up in conversation. Yeah. So she's supposed to have this big influence, but like when the moments that where that pays off happen, she is nowhere to be seen. So it doesn't feel like canon to me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel real. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean the, obviously the real world answer to that is George didn't think of her till they did Clone Wars, and like totally. it's, it's the same like it's the it's the Luke Leia kissing thing. Like yeah, but it they just weren't makes, siblings. It makes it not feel like a unified world. It feels mm-hmm. like an alternate universe rather than a part of the of the canon. Also, mm-hmm. because we know George is is such a tinkerer and likes to go back into his movies mm-hmm. and add things. Why not just go back in and add one like eighty yard line about Ahsoka, or like one line well, from uh, Ashley Erskine? Is that her name? Actually, Eckstein. Yeah, uh, yes, from yeah. from her into the movie. Like bring in like just kind of like the audio of an Ahsoka line when he's going crazy. Because then maybe that also because we don't know where she ends up. We still got season seven of Clone Wars, baby. We don't know. And all of that happens before Episode three. Revenge of the Sith. Correct. Maybe four, he gets four, his four. mind scrubbed. All right. So, uh, my 30 seconds of the Clone Wars movie, I, I love this movie, but because I've seen all six seasons of the Clone Wars multiple times, I love these characters. Captain Rex is one of my favorite characters of all time. Ahsoka's one of my favorite characters of all time. I can knowingly not separate that from this movie. This is basically getting more time with the characters I thought I had seen all of. So, this watching this movie after the series was like, oh my god, I get a bonus prequel with some of my favorite folks. 
I think Anakin gets some chosen one moments where he's just jumping on droids and feeling like, oh, this is the fun, wisecracking Anakin Skywalker that everyone loved. That everyone was like, this guy's so competent, he can take out an entire army by himself. You get a little bit of Obi-Wan being a cool general. And I think this, this shows how fun they were together and really gaps the two films really well. And it's a nice lead-in to what the series becomes. Beep. Also, side note about that, uh, Ewan McGregor... Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, the only original cast members that did not do the voices of their characters in that movie. They did not. We got Matt Lanter doing Anakin Skywalker, who just did a cameo in The Mandalorian. We got James Arnold Taylor doing... Wait, that's Matt Lanter? Matt Lanter. Oh my god, wait, is he the guy from Timeless? Yes! Oh shit! He's Anakin Skywalker. I like like him a lot. He's fantastic. You got James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan, you got Catherine Tabor as Padme. I was wondering, because he was at Celebration, and I was like, who does he play in the Star Wars universe? Oh my god, so many questions. And also, fun fact, Dee Bradley Baker does the voices of all the clones, which is one of the most impressive vocal performances, and he was the voice of the statue in Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, Omek. Yep. Fantastic. Fun fact. Let's dive in. Episode 3, Attack of uh, the no, revenge, revenge of uh, the attack of the, the revenge clone of the Sith. Sith clone Sith uh, 2006 this five. movie 2005 every three years oh yes 2005 okay I this is widely regarded as the best of the prequels mm-hmm. uh, and that is a correct assumption yes. in my in my head By, it's easy I think it is the only movie in the prequels that's necessary I, to the story to the general story I will like, agree with that I think it's to like, the point you've been saying about what's necessary yes to, yes, you if we're really doing this it. about the rise of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. I think that you could have truncated, uh, you, you could have taken some stuff out of this movie and replaced it with some stuff from Attack of the Clones, we would have gotten all of it in one movie. Yeah, there's a thing called the Phantom Edit that used to be on YouTube where someone put together all the prequels into one edit. The only thing they left from episode one was a flashback of the fight with Darth Maul. They did Didn't a little episode Topher two. Grace is that the Topher Grace? It's not Topher Grace, yeah. but it's okay. similar. Uh, and then most of it was episode three. Because yeah. I remember that going around, and I really wanted to watch it. <clears throat> yeah. This yeah. was, yeah. A bunch of people have, e- have edited the prequels. Revenge of the Sith is most of all those edits. My biggest problem with Revenge of the Sith <coughs> is, because I do think we get some dope scenes of Anakin killing kids, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Master Skywalker. He kills a bunch of Boba Fett's. Uh, yeah. Uh, we get um, some some fun stuff with uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi and, and him fighting on Mustafar, even though it's the same move six times or whatever. Yeah, but oh, uh, uh, you, get, you get some of the best. You get easily the best acting in the prequels in this movie. Oh, easily. But you also get <laughs> it is, dude. I don't know what dashboard confessional album George Lucas was adapting when he wrote the dialogue in this movie, but <laughs> it is the emo's shit I've ever it seen. Is? Going back, I'm just like, wow. You could just fucking, like... It's just a bunch of scene kids to writing love on their arms watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Just like, holy shit. I just want to take 30 seconds to just say justice for Padme Amidala because she mm-hmm. gets fucking shafted in this film. Uh, That's why she got pregnant. She dies of a broken heart, Lauren. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, go fuck yourself. Um, well, no, she lost the will to live. Yeah, Excuse sorry, me. she yeah. lost the will to live. I think that, like... Like you do. I just get, I ve- mm-hmm. I'm very frustrated by the handling of her, of going from someone who is a senator, who was a fighter, who was, like, genuinely, like, pretty savvy, to, like, most of her her scenes in this film are sitting around, looking into the mid-distance, looking sad. Yeah. Academy Award winner Natalie Like, Portman. genuinely, you keep cutting back to her, and she just is, like, looking sad, or saying horrible dialogue where she seems to have just <clears throat> been reduced to mm-hmm. a supportive wife, 
or she's crying at the end and giving up the will to live when I do not believe that the character they have set up for two films would give up the will to live when she wants these children so much. Yeah. The I, one who's wandering through like the halls on Naboo shooting people with a blaster yeah. and cutting like there's uh, yeah, just like I, that, also, I don't know I, where that person went. I also have like a problem with a lot of, like technically the way a lot of the scenes are set up like directorially <laughs> It always looks like there is not a moment before. There's never a moment before. Like, There's a great scene where they cut straight to the the scene of Obi-Wan and Padme talking about like I think something's wrong with Anakin and literally it's just they're just standing in a room, it cuts to them and then Ewan McGregor just goes so what's wrong with Anakin? Yeah, I have no idea where people are coming from. Also, he never, like, there was this wonderful thing in, like, the original series where people were having conversations while they are doing other things. So mm -hmm. there is this, like, lovely sense of, like, the banter is motivated because we are also doing something else. Whereas I feel like a lot of these setups are, like, two per people either, it's, like, over-the-shoulder shot, over-the-shoulder shot, and we just stay talking to each mm -hmm. other. Or we are two people walking down a hallway talking to each other. And so I just really, like, crave as a moviegoer, like, some form of more interesting cinematography mm -hmm. or blocking or, like, some form of, like, just because, like, you need to alter that rhythm at least a little bit for me or that, like, visual language because it's this beautiful world and I don't feel like it's being utilized to the proper extent. Yeah. I, I still feel like, even though this is the best of the prequels, that the movie doesn't start until like an hour in. Oh, hard disagree, but I'm going to get that in my 30. Okay. Yeah, but I, you're not going to change my mind on Padme Amidala. She got done dirty. Oh, I know. I'm going to talk about her in my 30, but not disagreeing with that evolution. Yeah. I, like, I think that probably a lot of Padme's <laughs> stuff like makes more sense when you've watched Clone Wars. I'm sure it does, but mm -hmm. like, I, I, that doesn't read in the film. Like, I, yeah. not everyone is going to watch Clone Wars. Right, but I think that's a huge thing about Star Wars, too, is that there there is a difference between wanting answers to questions because they're now, people are building answers in canon to help that stuff. And if you, and if people actually want answers to these things, they are now existing and people are actually reconciling. And that's a nice thing. Versus just wanting to criticize the film, which is also totally valid. But you, but if people acknowledge they just want to criticize the film, you can do that. But if you're asking then what happens, that does exist. But also, like, whatever happens, like, to Padme in Clone Wars does not take away from the fact that, like, what happened to her in this film isn't enough. Like, totally. That, like, whatever you set it up with, whatever you contextualize it with, the actual content of what happened to her is, like, a, an extreme disservice to one of the stronger characters in the series. And one of the strongest actresses that has ever worked on the series. Nice. Yes. All right, 30 seconds. All right, uh, number one, this is still one of my favorite openings to any of the movies. I think the Battle of Over Coruscant is so much fun, and Anakin and Obi-Wan flying in tandem shows how connected they are. Uh, with Padme, I think uh, in the current canon right now, they are trying to rectify all things that have happened to her. She has a bunch of books coming out. She's had comics coming out. She's in TV shows. There's a huge Padme sans that's going on right now, and people fucking love her, and she's getting a second life, um, pun intended, uh, in the comics. And they're also trying to fit in a way of Palpatine sucking the life out of her to put into Darth Vader, which is the reason that Anakin survived, and it was dark side magic, which would also make her more of a strong character. Which really? I really, really? I have my 30 seconds! I would have loved that! I was just saying, no, I was just yeah. saying, that's a cool idea. I, I wish that, that would have been in the movie. It's I know. a really cool and idea. And I think that a I lot of- you extra seconds. A lot of Star Wars stuff is is people taking ideas from movies that they love, saying, how can we fix this? How can we adapt this in further canon stories, further books? So we're going to put it in that to retroactively correct things, which I think shows people willing to progress and people willing to fix as opposed to just stay at the status quo. All right. One might hope J.K. Rowling does that for Grindelwald. I also just want to say, because I think that you, like, as a little side tangent, mm -hmm. like, 
Because I think we've talked about, like, fan fiction, kind of, like, mm-hmm. st- like whatever, and kind of, like, the, the semi-Jurassic attitude that our, like, culture has towards fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And, like, what else would you call, like, the extended universe books other than, like, like legitimate legitimized fan fiction? Well, that's any book, though. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, anything is going to be fan fiction, because you're a fan of something, so you write about it. Anything that's licensed, or even if it's not... You're a fan of an idea, so you yeah. So, so you I, probably, just, I, I think I'm just saying because like I think there's a there's a like uh, like a mainstream understanding that like fan fiction is something lesser than mm-hmm. when like I think the Star Wars extended universe <clears throat> is a really good example of like no like every e- like fan fiction can be good and it can like make Ooh. stories more satisfying yeah. for you because I think a lot of people I watched a video essay that was talking about Rogue One in this way mm-hmm. of just like. Somehow, like, they, they read a lot of, like, Rogue One fan fiction that, like, really, like, colored in the characters in mm-hmm. ways that, like, they weren't expecting. And so, like, watching the movie was a richer viewing experience for yeah. that. And I imagine that's what it's like for the extended universe. Yeah, and, and the, the, the concise answer I have for that is is simply editors and continuity. Because I think fan fiction is, lo- is the Wild West online, as it should be. People yeah. should write what they want. The only difference between that, like, in the Legends continuity, which happened before mm-hmm. the Disney acquisition... They didn't have a single group that was saying, no, this contradicts that, this contradicts that. So there were a lot of, like, stories that didn't quite work with each other. Like, a lot of fan fiction, maybe Mm -hmm. this site doesn't work with this site, which is fine, but it gets a little confusing if you're a new fan. Whereas now, there's editors in a story group making sure that every single thing that's published... It can be a different writer, be a different feel, but it's not going to contradict anything else. And I think that's all it is. I think that was... Yeah, I think the point that I'm trying to make is, like... And it's an editor. You need an editor. Yeah, but I think that's, like, something to, to like at least recognize because yeah. I, I see it derided so much and I truly just feel like it's yeah. just like, no, it's a, this kind of like amazing thing that can make works of art richer and can like increase the like, the good richness good of the writing, world. Man. Good writing is good writing wherever it is. So mm-hmm. like basically I just want to say like, <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a lot of hate because people write about uh, Kylo Ren and Rey kissing. But you know what? You do you, internet. And if that makes the movies richer, go yeah. for it. But here's the thing. I'll, last thing I'll add on that, only because the Raylo communities, all these other communities online are so strong, which is amazing. Feel your feels. If what happens in the movies doesn't fit what you've had in your head canon for, for three years, you oh. can't be mad at the movie for not living up to what you've imagined. Because I think that's a huge problem with the Star Wars community as yes. a whole. Yes, yeah. like Everyone on, on says, a, I could do it better. You're not making the movie. Yeah, you're, you're not, not doing the things. And that's... On that's every side of it. And every side of it. So just go into... Listeners. Hi, guys. It's your Uncle Eric. When you go see the next Star Wars movie, go in ready to absorb what the story you're going to be told. Like, that's why I, I don't... I don't really speculate... I don't listen to all the Star Wars podcasts, which are great, that do speculate, because I don't want to go in with an idea of a storyline and be disappointed when it doesn't happen, because that's not... They don't have to placate me. They don't have to placate anyone. They're telling their story, and I will react to the story I'm being given versus the story that I have imagined for years. And also, I'm sure this will happen when we talk about Last Jedi, but I think, like... One of the beautiful things about that film is the way that it like it knows exactly what you expect and want and it and like challenges that. Mm-hmm. And challenges why you want that. <coughs> and like why you would don't want to be challenged and surprised instead. Yep. Because isn't that kind of more fun? And I think that like depending on how open you <coughs> are to that, that is entirely like that is an entire indicator of whether or not you like Last Jedi, yep. which I think is kind of fascinating. And about. so we end the prequels. The yes. prequels. Boom. Yeah. Now we are on Just to. Just wanted to do that sidebar because I think that. we can do that. Yeah, it's our now fucking we... podcast. Now we are on to the ancillary films, and we begin with 2018's Solo: A Star Wars Story. 
Uh, this movie came out last year. It was directed by Ron Howard and a little bit by uh, Lord, Miller. Lord Miller. You can see it. You can see it. Yep. Uh, and was co-written by Lawrence and Jake Kasdan. Father, uh, son. Father, son team. Lord. Yep. Uh, Lawrence yeah. Kasdan, who created the character of Han Solo. <clears throat> uh, so, so we rewatched this. There's a whole episode that we did on this when this movie came out. Uh, and to speak for myself, I was on record then as being very lukewarm on the movie. Uh, very carbonite warm, depending on how you want to be. Upon rewatching it, I, my esteem for the movie has lowered. But there are certain things that I do enjoy more. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that did not work for me the first time I saw it, that did work for me the most recent time we saw it, was L3. I really enjoy L3. Because you've watched Fleabag. Well, no, I genuinely <laughs> think that, like, I hate the way that they resolve her story. I think that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I genuinely am kind of like, man, you really fucked up a great opportunity here um, in service of one random C-3PO line later on about what an odd dialect the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. has. But Or I, possibly a really great moment in episode nine when Lando gets reintroduced to L3. I'm, oh, I'm sure, sure that's going to happen. Gonna happen. Hey, girl, I'm sure it's going to be I said. would bet so much fucking money on that I'm going to cry. My big problem with Solo is that it just, for me, it feels like three different movies happening at once. Mm-hmm. And I think... You'd prefer a solo film? I would prefer... Yes. I would you, prefer, you can see the seams on it, I think, where the two creators kind of come up against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would have preferred a movie uh, that was a lot grungier. But I think that to, to talk about what is there, mm-hmm. I honestly, again, for this one, I'm just kind of like, I don't really... I don't really understand why this history had to be as convoluted as it did. I kind of feel like Solo's story was a lot simpler and this movie is a lot more weirdly intricate than I think it needed to be. Hmm. Um, and in terms of like the space Western vibe, I, I just didn't really get it. Like, I, I just, I get what it's trying to do. I just don't think it achieves it. I think if it hit, I think where I kind of landed on it when I watched it last time was that I think I would have liked it more if it hadn't been so obviously setting up for a trilogy. Yes. Like, I think it's setting up a lot of mythos that it, that it is like ready to, to kind of follow through on. Very true. So I feel like, and I'm like, it's still there. And I think that's really interesting, but I also think. I, th- I think I would have liked it more if it had been more like Rogue One and mm-hmm. just really committed to like, no, we're going to tell this story. This is about Han. This is about Han on this, this one adventure. Mm-hmm. And like, if we get another one, great, we'll do a different thing that might tie into a few of the elements, but it's not going to be something that it's like, that needs its own like Star Wars level mythology. <clears throat> I never felt like it had to be tied into any type of like the rebellion I feel like mm-hmm. it would have been pretty cool if it had ended with the Kessel Run. Yeah, yeah, and and I th- and I think for for the rebellion stuff, I I, I agree. I, I I mean, I love the Enfys Nest character. I I want more from her, and that's like me me from the side of Star Wars that I go to. I see these things, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the book or the comic that no, will. No, I the- love that character, and right. I want her somewhere in the universe. I just didn't know if this film would have been the best place. Totally, and and I think that the idea of, of making a new trilogy obviously didn't pan out, but I but I earnestly wonder now. With the whole Disney Plus thing, like, what is Disney Plus if Solo doesn't do what it does? If it doesn't start a character study and be like, okay, that didn't work for a theatrical release as much as they wanted to. It only made, like, a certain amount of millions of dollars. Yeah, really. Um, like, it didn't make the billion dollars that they wanted. Um, but I, I, I'm really interested to see now, like, we got the Cassian show. We got the Obi-Wan show coming out. And they're clearly still investing in these character stories. Now, for this, this film itself... This is one of the most fun, I will turn it on at any point, Star Wars movies. Because you don't need to be invested in the lore. You don't need to think about the, the Republic of the Jedi. Like, for the most part, it's a guy in a fast car trying to get a girl. And there's a couple ragtag bunch of scoundrels he meets along the way. Like, 
so when you say it's convoluted, I think I, I get the little machinations. But for me, it's actually really one of the most straight line things of Han wanting to find his identity. And at the end, he kind of starts to with Chewbacca. And I think that it gives some yeah, of the... Yeah, I just didn't need all the Crimson Dawn stuff, I think. Totally. And, yeah. I, and I think that's where, that, and that's where, for me, that's where my EU brain gets tickled. So I'm like, ooh, it's a new syndicate. And now I'm excited for how that all fits in. Um, and I think, I, 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 I frankly love, basically every performance in this movie, I think Paul Bettany is is having a fucking ball. Um, I love Amelia Clark in this. She, I mean, she rose up my rankings of my life because of this movie. And I think Alden Ehrenreich has given a great performance that is an homage, not imitation. Whereas, you know, Donald Glover is going straight up Billy D mm-hmm. um, and nails it. I think it's a lot of fun. But that's where I think the movie converges. I feel like Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are in the Lord and Miller movie mm-hmm. until the scene where L3 dies. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Alden is vacillating back and forth between them. Like, mm-hmm. it definitely feels like the Sabak scene was directed by Lord and Miller and everything else was directed by Ron Howard. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah. I feel like Eric already used his 30 seconds. My, no, I get 30 no matter what. You said I could talk. You used, like, two minutes of that. No, I used two minutes of it. Eric, you Rude. get 30. All, All right. right. So my 30. Um, I think this is a great one and done, despite the fact that it's supposed to be a trilogy Star Wars movie. It is um, done. I have known that there are some people that this is the, the only Star Wars movie they saw, and they were a bit confused with some callbacks, but also it made them want to see more. I think it's a really fun one to throw on. It's a good, like, summer night movie. Um, I think the performances. Are, are a ridiculous amount of fun. The, the expectations were a Rogue One epic and not a fun car slash Western movie, and I think that made a lot of people disappointed. But if you haven't seen Solo in a while, turn it on, grab a beer, grab someone you love, and just smile basically the whole way through uh, like Han should because it's a rollicking good time. Cool. Excellent. Ready to move on to the next one? Yep. I mean, yeah, that's them's the rules. Them's the rules. The next one is 2016's Rogue One. Colon, a Star Wars story. Mm. Contrary to Solo, rewatching this movie, it rose in my esteem. Every single time I've watched this movie, it's risen. Yeah. I think the last hour of this movie is genuinely pretty great. Yep. I love the battle on Scarif. I think that that it's really cool. I think for a movie that also had to go through a bunch of reshoots and a really troubled production, um, that to take a throwaway plot hole in A New Hope about how Mm -hmm. easy it was to destroy the Death Star and to actually turn that into a pretty interesting movie that I've got character gripes with, but I think on the whole works really well is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 absolutely. I think ultimately this movie also did a great job at getting rid of the fucking stigma of reshoots with movies because guys, I don't know if you know this audience, almost every fucking movie does reshoots. (laughs) Every single movie. Like, we just hear about it on these because they're big movies. It's press. And it's and like people give a shit. And because they, they, they got replace notes. directors. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I love it too because Kathleen Kennedy, who is a fucking god among men, isn't afraid to cut a bitch if she's they're not like, doing their job. She's a god among men and women. She's, you know. Yeah, god yeah. among humans. Humans. Yeah. Um, she's not afraid and to say... And Gleeklops. And Gleeklops and Borg Borgs. Uh, she's like, you're not doing a good enough job, so fuck you. I will, I will cut you when the movie is done because I respect the product and I respect Kathleen Kennedy. I So, okay, here's my big thing with Rogue One. And this is why I think The Last Hour is so good. The Last Hour, to me specifically, the, the whole battle on Scarif is I've never seen this before in a Star Wars movie. Yes. And I think that it is one of the only times, barring a movie we're going to get to uh, in the future, in the way future, um, that actually challenges the conception of what a Star Wars movie can be. I think we're getting that a lot actually right now with The Mandalorian. That's why I'm Mm -hmm. enjoying a lot of The Mandalorian. Um, But I think that it actually is taking the idea of Star Wars. Lauren and I were talking about this earlier today. 
about how Marvel feels like an entire franchise mm-hmm. built around and for fan service. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel, you know, sorry to be the Scorsese on uh, this argument, I don't feel challenged by any Marvel movies. Mm-mm. Star Wars, to me, has always represented innovation in filmmaking mm-hmm. and has always represented world building and that and, and really challenging <clears throat> me with those ideas while also still be able, being able to maintain their popular culture standing and be a lot of fun. Right. This is the first movie... Uh, since they re- since they brought back Star Wars starting in twenty fifth or starting even in ninety nine mm-hmm. that I thought really did that and actually was like Star Wars can also be this and it works it can my, be the Battle of Normandy yeah but like that's my problem with Solo Solo feels too much like I've seen all of this before with Rogue One I'm like wow I genuinely didn't think Star Wars had the balls to kill off an entire cast of people at the end of this movie yeah which which they didn't I mean that was the whole thing with the reshoots like there's if you watch the trailers for Rogue One, so many of those scenes are not in the final movie. Like, Jin is running down the beach with the plans on her belt because they get rescued in the original cut of the movie when they thought they had to open it up for a sequel. And then Disney said, no, you can do whatever you want. And they said, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. We actually wanted to kill them. <laughs> but we didn't think we could. Yeah. Because you're Disney. <laughs> yeah. So, and no, I, I think that Rogue One kind of broke the mold for that. And like I said on our Top 15 Movies of the Decade podcast where I, where I mentioned Rogue One... I think that without Rogue One, Disney Plus, Star Wars does not exist like it does. The the yeah, literature is... canon doesn't exist like it does. It it allowed audiences to say, all right, if even if it doesn't have an episode blank in front of it, I will still see this movie and it will expand Star Wars for me in a way that had never happened before. Yeah, I feel like Rogue One is the is one of the better instances of the new of the five five movies, I guess, barring Rise of Skywalker, which mm-hmm. you haven't seen. Uh, that have come out since they brought it back that has really been like, wow, we still have a lot of room in this sandbox to play in. Um, I don't think Jin is an active protagonist. That's my biggest problem with this movie Mm -hmm. is I just kind of feel like she's getting tossed around from situation to situation to situation until she's like, okay, fine, I'll fight for the rebellion, which Mm -hmm. I understand as a plot point, but I think if you're trying to make another strong female protagonist of your series... I would have liked her to have actually had more agency than just kind of being like along for the ride until Cassian <laughs> and K2 and Donnie Yen and the rest of the people in it were like, hey, you should help too. And then she's like, okay. Sure. Like, yeah. So that's that's going to be my thing I want you to address in your 30. Great. That I, why isn't Jin a more active protagonist? Lauren, uh, you got anything? Yeah, no, I agreed. Jin's not a super active protagonist. I think you see the the reshoots there. I think you see the reshoots most in, and this is supported by pretty much every report, uh, in Bodhi's character. Yeah, um, the Riz Ahmed character. Who I think is incredibly, incredibly underserved uh, in this film. And I think his his scenes with Forrest Whitaker are the weakest in the film. Uh, that's and Forrest Whitaker repeats that's his time. performance from Black Panther. No, we're out of time. Uh, in reverse order. In reverse order. Yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, so I agree with the Jin stuff. I think that she is not incredibly well served in this movie. Uh, I think that I, I love all the other characters far more um, because I think they, they are the set pieces that happen to her as a protagonist. I think sometimes she's, she's a straight man in the comedy, you know, that has to kind of bear the weight of it. Uh, if you do want more Jin, I highly recommend the book Rebel Rising, uh, which is all about Jin and Saw on their relationship, and it's fucking great. Um, I do think I love her stuff with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, I think he is great as Galen Erso in this movie and the little scenes that he has. Um, and I also like that it was the first movie to have uh, an ensemble full of non-white dudes uh, that are hanging out. I mean, it, it is people of Asian descent. It is, it is people of color. It is people of African-American descent. It they're is, a couple. They're, yeah, I mean, it is, it is people 
from all over the spectrum. Disney or fucking cowards or those two would be a couple. Yeah, so they're forming this team, and I think that's also why Jin gets a little shattered because it's more about how the team gets together and what the team is doing for the rebellion rather than one character. Um, and in a stronger movie, this would be less about a protagonist and more about a uh, whole ensemble cast. This is why you I should have you cut the whole Saga Rara plot. Great! Uh, Deception! Bukalis! <laughs> <laughs> Pocalus. Why did we need the tentacle monster? Uh, the board gullet? Uh, it, because we're gonna, we'll know the truth. If we don't, if we cut Pocalus out of the film, no, I'm fucking talking. No, you. If need we cut Pocalus, we don't have the truth, and we have lies, <laughs> deception. I okay, I understand. Remember how I was gonna melt his brain, and then it never did. Yeah. yeah Pocalus is not a mean person. No, what he did was he melted the previous incarnation <laughs> of that character from the Gareth Edwards version of the movie. That's true, and then we and it's a like clone. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like Ray? <laughs> my least favorite theory. I'm online. sorry. <laughs> I don't subscribe to your internet forum. <laughs> I also think that Eric just had a heart attack because he thought that Ian looked some shit up because like screenings are happening of Red no! Skywalker. So I saw the panic in Eric's eyes of, do you know something I don't know? No, like, that is do, not like, verified. That is a terrible theory online. No, it's like, not, but it is, would, it is taken from we the would f- never do legends that bullshit. You, oh, I, no, that was my thought because I've had to fucking have that conversation so many times in the last two years and I'm out of ways to say she's not a fucking clone. Well, maybe she is a clone and her name is Sue and the original one was named Mary, so fuck you. Well, since we're talking about that, let's just dive into the fucking next movie, shall okay, we? The next movie <laughs> is... Oh, wait, no, sorry, I'm jumping way ahead. Yeah, we're jumping... I, was thinking, I was thinking release order. Folks, we gotta go back to 1977, baby, because it's time for Star Wars. Pew, 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 pew. The end, that's the title. Yep, that's pew, it. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> um... A New Hope. Um, oh. I love this movie. I, movie. To possibly make too bold of a statement, I think this movie is the greatest example of fantasy world building ever in film. Mm-hmm. I genuinely... I don't think it's that bold. Oh. Not even as a fan, but I think generally in the fantasy landscape, I think that's... Yeah. But I, like, as much as like, yeah, it's like I love Lord of the Rings. I love like, you know, you t- take even like classical movie, you know, like like the 1933 King Kong or like mm-hmm. these other movies that like really were like we're going to establish something that's going to be new and otherworldly. And it's like the mm-hmm. fact that A New Hope exists. It is barely over two hours. It's two hours and one minute long. Yep. And it is able to do such clear world building and make everything so relatable and easy to understand and also really deep and interesting, mm-hmm. and the worlds look so great. The acting is fantastic. The script is beautiful. It follows old school tropes, but does it in a completely new way. Mm-hmm. Like this is this to me is why like I think a movie like Avatar, which does the same thing mm-hmm. on paper as that Star Wars does, where it takes a time told story, but it just does it with a different set of world building. This movie just does that with Kurosawa movies. Mm-hmm. It, but for some reason, like Star Wars just worked more on me and you think about the new hope like when you started that movie like if you go into a new hope knowing nothing about star wars right like you did when you were a kid watching it by the time you left the first screening you knew you knew so much yeah like it it gives you the knowledge in a way that is not spoon-fed but it is also not hitting you over the head it is it is it is not subtle but it is not in your face It, it it rides an incredible balance of like you know what Tatooine is. You know what the Force is. You know the Empire. You know Darth Vader. You know Luke Skywalker. And, like, from one viewing, you can rattle off all this info, which I think is exceedingly rare in film. It's, I, it's, I think it's just, it's very effective because it is, and it, it's very economical, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of, yes. of plot building. There yeah, is, yeah. there is a, a really great marriage of, like, new ideas and new stuff 
but you're just putting it on top of stories that we've heard before. Mm-hmm. You're put turn, you're putting it on top of like basically every like hero's journey story that we've ever heard. So it's like it's new and it's exciting, but it also feels like comfort food. It's classic. Yeah. yeah. I'm never not it in feels, the mood to watch this movie. It feels timeless. Like it is it is structurally <clears throat> timeless and therefore whatever you put on top of it is like it it all works because at the core of it it is something that it, we are always going to emotionally respond to because mm-hmm. yeah. like everyone can feel the things that Luke is feeling at the beginning of that film of mm-hmm. wanting to get out like, like we just want to go to Tashi Station and get power converters who among Luke, us hasn't yeah Luke is a great protagonist to to for every audience member to project themselves onto I also think this movie what this movie does and like to give George Lucas the credit like to the series credit there's so much amazing visual storytelling in this movie that I don't feel like half the movies in this franchise do as as well. I think they attempt to do it, but I just don't think that they're as, as successful as this. Where it's like, you don't get as successful a, a, an image than like Luke staring out at the binary sunset oh. on Tatooine. Which is like, cool, you've truncated your entire series down to one shot. And it completely makes <coughs> sense. And I know exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah. And I think that that's what... And that's a, it's like such a relatable thing. They were saying this on, on Binge Mode the other day, which I completely agreed to, where it's like, it, that is what yearning is. That's what it feels like. And so much of the prequels, and I think my problem with the prequels, is it feels like somebody who has made it and gotten past that yearning, going back and thinking, well, what do kids yearn for these days? And just kind of missing right. the mark when it's like, no, we yearn for the same things that you yearned for when you were a kid. Yeah. And I think speaking of Binary Sunset, I want to I wanna mention, we mentioned for a half second earlier, but we have not talked nearly enough about fucking John Williams. Mm. Um, this is the movie that, I mean, really put fucking John Williams on the map in, in, the, in the epic sense. I mean, the dude is a fucking master. And every single Perhaps thing, the genius, like the musical genius of our de- of our, of our generation. generation. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and I think this is the movie that brought that that really showed me as a kid what music can do, what constant underscoring can do when it doesn't get in the way. But you know they say a great score is when you don't notice. You fucking notice this one so hard, but it is a character that creates like I, a world. I don't know that this movie would have been as big as it has become without that soundtrack. No way. No. No. It's, you know, it's one of the only movie scores that went platinum, I believe. Yes. Like the record like actually like went yeah. platinum. Um, but also, I think it's just it introduced us to a whole uh, cadre of characters that are so fucking relatable and fun to go back to. I love it. Uh, I don't really ha- I don't have Ford, notes Ford. on this movie. Okay, right, so so the thirty seconds. What I'll say is this: um, the special editions that George Lucas made. Right. If you, if you have Disney Plus right <laughs> Thank now. Thank you. Um, you will see a, a version that is not what you grew up with. It's not the VHS version. George Lucas constantly goes back and edits it. And I have two minds of this. One, I like the despecialized versions, which is what people on the internet did. They updated the old school like recordings to Blu-ray, and you can find it if you Google. Truly, um, God bless those people. But also, I do agree with the idea that George Lucas is an artist. He can tweak his stuff if he wants to. It is his right. And if he wants to do it, sure. If you don't enjoy it, that's fine. But uh, that's his right as an artist, and shouldn't we all be so lucky to edit our own work? Kanye does it, so does J.K. Rowling. There we go. Yeah, sidebar. Like, but <coughs> I'm cool with that. I am totally cool with you being able to update whatever you want and release new versions. Mm-hmm. What I have a problem with is making the original version unavailable yep. to people. That is when mm-hmm. it's just like, fuck you. Like, yeah. I, I should not mm-hmm. have to watch the updated version. I should be able to watch the version of the movie that I want. I should yeah. not, like, be subject to that. You should and not I, remove that. I think the only reason of that is, like, and I, I agree. I for the, for the record, I do not watch the new versions if I when I'm doing my rewatches. I prefer the old one. That is, And that is my right. 
for him, I wonder if it is in his mind kind of like watching your old audition video where he's like, I've gotten so much better since this. And in his mind, the edits that he made were better. So he's like, why would I want to let other people buy the thing I don't like as much that I made if I if it's in my control? I think you can give people the op the option I think you to can. watch in the new one, and I think, but but I it just it feels like, tyrannical to withhold it. Yeah, like I get it. I yeah, get. We're not owed art. Like I get where he's coming from, but also fuck him for that. <laughs> I think if you, you know? want a great example of this that has the hubris and and I think both and many different versions of it, like. Ridley Scott released, they released a version of Blade Runner on Blu-ray a couple of years ago that has five different cuts of that movie, including the director's cut, the specialized director's cut, <coughs> the director's cut with deleted scenes in it, and then the theatrical cut, and it's got all of these different versions. And I genuinely think if George Lucas released the Blu-ray of the original trilogy with the original theatrical release and his new edits and like some kind of crazy computer version that allowed new updates mm -hmm. to come in as they came, people, I would buy yeah. that shit. But I think this is also There's a new version on Disney yeah. Plus now. It's they fun to compare. Like I think this is also George Lucas. Uh, the problem is also this is the ask from people that aren't like hardcore toxic Star Wars fans that for decades sent George Lucas death threats about prequels and things. I think he, that's Again, why he sold worst fan group. Exactly. No, they are. Like I think that he sold Star Wars because he didn't want to deal with it anymore. So at this point, he's like, why would I give in to something people want that hate me? So you think it's more of like a hate thing? I, I it, it's it, more of a fuck you. Because well, he did re-release those on DVD for a, a very short while back in like the '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, it was like a Best Buy for like a week. Yeah. Um, but now I think he's like, it's 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 my kid punched me in the face. Why will I give him a cookie? Like people sent me death threats continuously, so I sold my company so I could get away from the hatred. And now I'm glad I can give input on the stuff like Clone Wars. But why would I give this fan base a reward for being so mean to me? I I get that on like and I think a, no we are we are suffering for the ten percent of people that are that are our the sticks, loudest the loudest people in the room yes our sticks get taken away because Johnny hit Susie with one yeah and we didn't hit one I was using my stick to make fire to keep us warm and now we can't get the original cuts all right and let, JJ tried he did say yeah let's let's move on yeah and Ryan Johnson's like yeah, I get it bro. <laughs> Uh, but you can still have Last Jedi. You don't deserve Last Jedi, but you can have it. You can it. have it. Here you, you go. can still keep Last Jedi. And Knives Out. I'll give you, you Knives Out You afterwards. ungrateful bitches <laughs> don't deserve Last Jedi, but you can have it. Yeah. Get ready for my trilogy, which doesn't take place in space or have any aliens. I would love for Ryan Johnson to, similarly to George Lucas... Just say, fuck you guys. Now I'm only making Last Jedi available, but it is entirely in Canto Bite. <laughs> that's it's the Canto Bite edit. Guys, don't get this is why we're not cards. billionaires. This because we why... value the petty win over the multi million yeah, dollar franchise. Yeah, because you don't get nice shit anymore if you don't like Last Jedi. <laughs> well, get George, fucked. George Lucas has told us that you gotta wait to be billionaires to enjoy the petty win. <laughs> I want, I would like Ryan Johnson to re, like, only release Last Jedi. But every character is played by Kelly Marie Tran. Well, the problem is that Ryan Johnson... Okay, well, what's the next movie? We'll right. get to Last Jedi. We'll I just to... need to talk about Last Jedi because you know what? It got fucking shafted. We're, we're gonna get to it. We it just made hundreds of I'm just saying we're only gonna get five minutes and you need to talk. We'll get more in five minutes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. It's perfect. Next widely movie. Regarded, <laughs> widely regarded as the best movie in the Star Wars franchise. Uh... Yeah, this movie. Fun fact: hated when it came out. <laughs> they, they hated it. it. They hate it. Um, we're stealing bits. I love this They're movie. I rewatched this movie yesterday, oh. and man, oh man, is this movie great! I the okay. So here's where this movie succeeds 
where I think the next movie we're going to talk about fails. It's got a short cold open, and it's a it's literal a cold. cold open. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But legit, very, very early, rebels are trying to make their base on Hoth. Hoth is desolate and barely has any sentient creatures except for giant wampas and fucking tauntauns. Luke gets abducted by the abominable snowman. <laughs> Luke kills the abominable snowman. Han saves Luke, proving that they're friends, and brings Luke back. And the movie can start after we get a great adventure sequence. God. I love... I used to hate... I this, love Hoth. I used I love to Hoth hate so the much. scene on Hoth. Really? I'm, I weirdly don't give a shit about, like, ice... The cold? <laughs> like the cold. <laughs> I know it's stupid. I would like to say that when Ian and I went on vacation to Spain, uh, while it was nice and cold here in Chicago, Ian couldn't fucking wait to get back to the ice and cold. I didn't want to get back to the cold. I wanted to get back to fall. No, but no. Ian was like, oh, Lauren, you know what I miss? Lauren, we only have three minutes to talk about Empire yeah. Strikes Back. No, 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 it's a perfect movie. We can spare it. Um, <laughs> Ian said, oh, I just missed coats. <laughs> I love coats. We don't have coats. I would love to burrow myself into a tauntaun right now. Would be God. pretty rad. Maybe I'd win an Oscar for it, like Leo did in The Revenant. You know what's amazing? Every coat in this movie. Yeah. Han Solo's coat in this movie is maybe is like the most attractive piece of winter wear I've ever seen. He looks amazing. Also, this, this is hot. So this is hot this solo. Is, this is hot solo. This is Han is so fucking good in this movie. Not to be confused with Hat Solo because he does wear a hat on Hoth. Exactly, and it's Solo. <laughs> um, no, this movie. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't tell you three years later. It doesn't tell you, well, and this has happened since then. It says, hey, motherfucker, the movie is starting. Yeah. Watch it. Keep we up, bitch. We gave you the crawl. <laughs> you know? You didn't even deserve that. The character beats are great. Fucking Cloud City is great. The, the Even then, the crawl for this movie could be like a sentence, and it could be like, and we're starting, and the movie yeah. just goes. And, and you know what the crawl doesn't say? Hey, you know what's going on in the tax federation? <laughs> The it's Trade Federation, you fucking casual. No. <laughs> Episode I'm a one. Fan. Civil War. Taxes are happening. <laughs> hey kids, here's your tax drama you hey, wanted. You know what? If in high school they had taught me a little more about taxes and a little less about the Revolutionary War, I'd be a lot better off right now. Would you have enjoyed hearing about taxes from the fucking viceroys? I mean, hey, clearly I did, Ian. I had uh, a Jar Jar beach towel. Oof, that's a lot. <laughs> um so I anyway, fun, still has that towel. I do. Fun fact about this movie: this was my least favorite of the trilogy when I was a kid. I think it was mine too because was it was so return, dark. Because I, I was stupid. See, I was a Return of the Jedi. I was too. I was too. I was. An I love those fucking Return Ewoks. Yeah. Jedi. Dude, Return of the Jedi, is, and it's green. The green I, lightsaber. Come on. I always was like, this one's the long one. I always remember, like, I loved moments from this when I was a kid, but I was like, this is a long one. Can I see the Ewoks? Yeah, whereas this one's like, hey, our parents were like, don't you want to see the best reveal in the history of cinema, maybe? And you're like, I always knew. Like, that is weird. When did we... I don't remember the time when I found... I know it wasn't watching the movie. I found out watching the movie. I don't... You lucky bitch. I found out because I saw all three of them in theaters. It was great. My parents not being fans That's of this right. series was amazing. Like, no, Empire Strikes Back, guys, it... It's so, it's just so good. And it, this is the boring part of the podcast. Because, like, it's so good. Every set piece works. It is kinetic. You you do whatever you shouldn't do in every D&D party. You split the party. Luke fucks off to Dagobah and meets a frogman. And it's amazing. And he, and it is my it is our first time we've ever dealt with magical, mystical realism as a kid. Mm -hmm. In the cave where he was a hallucination slash force vision. Like, 
all this amazing shit happens. The life lessons are great. It doesn't matter how big you are. It only matters that you believe and that you will do something. And even if you have to go save your friends, ignore the things that say you shouldn't because you might get hurt, but it is worth it because you love them. And he has Boba Fett and like, fuck! Interesting how all of those things are also true about The Last Jedi. <laughs> I Interesting! I do think you get some cold-blooded shit with the introduction of Lando. Oh. Like, I love the intro of Lando, <laughs> but so I great. love it even more that it leads directly into a deception. Yeah! Oh my fucking god! Like, you, it's how do you trust Lando? For like truly, how do you trust Lando until he makes up for everything in the next movie, which I think is great. Yeah. But like, like from he, the intro we get with Han, we're like, yeah, no, he's yeah. like, don't worry, he's mad at me, but he'll be fine. And then legit like sells him out to Darth Vader because he's like, yo, bro, they got here faster. Fork, well, fork, and, and like, fork, fork, fork. so okay, so these thirty seconds. We have to return anything. It's perfect. Uh, fun fact about Lando that I'll talk about for 30 seconds. Uh, they did not know if they were going to have Harrison Ford for a third movie. He, he was the only one that had not signed on to extend his contract. So a big part about why Han is in Carbonite is because maybe he's in there forever. And they brought in Billy D. Williams to literally wear Han's clothes at the end of this movie. To I know. say, you know who's going to fly the Falcon and be the cool suave motherfucker that has a crush on Leia? Lando Carissian. Also, did Lando and Han fuck? What? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, also, the Han Han thing in Solo is total fan service, and I love it. Uh, Carrie Fisher changes her pronunciation to Han when she's around Billy Dee Williams because she can't keep it straight on set. Uh, this movie's perfect and great. Moving on. You mean like when they play Sabac? Yeah! Uh, Sabac. Sabac. Alright, next movie. Time out. Okay. Alright, one last thing I want to put in before we go to Return of the Jedi. In the prequels, I somehow forgot to mention the mastery that is our lord and fucking savior, Bill Organa, Jimmy Smits. Uh, everything about him is great. He, he's also in Rogue One. I realized that if any of my folks from Mutiny are listening and I don't mention Bill Organa, it is the worst off-character thing because I love him. Everything he is is great. Read the book Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray to get more bail in your life. You always need more Bail Organa. Moving on. This is the wildest thing because he always looks like he's walking up to somebody about to ask them for casual sex. Um, he goes and says, um, hey, should I help these kids? And they say, sir, it's time for you to leave. And he goes, so it is. He's a fucking G and he gets it. All right. <laughs> okay. Next up. Truly the weirdest flex, but okay. <laughs> Next up. You're going to need 1983. 1983. Yes. 1983. It was every three years until the sequel trilogy fucked it up. The return of the Jedi, formerly the Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, that poster is so cool. Um, okay, here's my one major hot take about this movie. I can't wait. C-3PO yep. is fluent in... Over six million forms of communication. Thank you very much. One would think one of these is Hatties, the most widely spoken language in the galaxy, correct? Right, it is. It is. He speaks Hatties like someone who has never... Like, is reading... <laughs> Like someone who's reading a guide on like how to speak Spanish. He does. He goes, "What uh, should uh, do? Uh, Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> yeah. R two D Toa. Is that fucking? Yeah. Right? No, you're right. It is like the sec. It's clearly like the Mandarin of Star Wars. Yeah. It's like, like it is. It, if it's not it's English, like, I'm fluent over six million forms of communication, and I'm okay in twelve million forms of communication. Yeah. <laughs> Most of those are all the spoken communication. Yeah. Oh, the all, the, all the, the six million I'm good at are all nonverbal. Yeah, oh, the <laughs> binary language of water evaporators? Fuck yeah, I fuck with that all day. Hatiz, the very popular language. Spanish? 
ish. Yeah, it's like no. Yeah, it's like oh, I went to college and I got my master's degree in Latin. Oh, cool. Can you speak Spanish? No. Ish. <laughs> like, totally I can, okay. I, can I buy that. Ask where the bathroom is. Yes. I do want to. I do want to hit on especially. El baño? Question mark. Yeah. Because we all said this, I want to start to you guys like. This was all three of our favorite movies as kids, and I think that this is the one that hit its audience the fucking best. Because mm-hmm. uh, George Lucas always says these are movies for kids trying to find their way. It's about, about I completely who you agree. Are. Um, and this movie, for me, I'll say my, my biggest moment was was the green lightsaber. Like changed my fucking life. It made my favorite color green. Um, it like literally made me realize, oh, his lightsaber's gone. No, it's not. Awesome. <clears throat> Moving on. Uh, everything Luke does in this movie was my role model growing up from the fashion to the lightsaber to the personality. He was my hero. Really, I'm just, like, a slut for, like, angst and drama. So, like, my little, like, bitch-ass teen ass was just like, oh, shit, that moment you think Luke's gonna go to the dark side? Aya! It's like that moment in The Last Jedi. I was fucking (laughs) in it, baby! Yeah, we, Eric came over while I was finishing this up. The fight between Luke Mm. and Vader in this movie in the throne room before the Emperor is, I think, is probably the best fight in all of Star Wars. Just, like, how oh. much, when Luke gets Vader on the ground and he's just fucking, like, whacking him over and over again. Yeah. It's awesome. And then sees that, like, they're the same. And yeah, like and sees really his robot hand. Yeah. It's it, great. It shows you, as a kid watching it, like, I get angry, Luke gets angry, and that's gonna happen, and that's okay, but then you pull it back, and at the, you're still a Jedi. That, like, yeah. you're not a good person or a bad person. It's about the choices that you make. You're like that. Like destiny isn't like yeah. a thing in that regard. You are you are what you choose to be. Yeah, yeah. I've got two gripes. Go. Yes. One, this cold open is way too fucking long on Tatooine. I did not realize this is fucking forty five minutes. The first forty five minutes takes place in an opium den. It is too for much. children. Oh, but I do <clears throat> love that. There, there's a really like soft spot in my heart that I have for the. You can see it in gift form. Where uh, on the salacious barge, crumb? No, on the barge where Luke kicks someone, <laughs> and there's just like two feet of space. Oh yeah, it's great. And it's like the best. It's my it's my favorite thing oh, in the world. That's still a dope I hope, scene. I hope yeah. they never CGI that to look no, correct. That whole fight is like, so good. I did not like how in the new one I had not seen this that the 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 uh, new version of the Sarlacc pit looks like Audrey 2 from Little Shop Yeah, of it's not great. That's like yeah, now... Yeah, and I hate the new musical number, which is... Yeah, those are, those are dumb. Um, I do love... The original Sarlacc was terrifying as a kid. It's, it's just, so It's scary. just teeth and sand. Mm-hmm. And um, nothingness. Yeah, and I'll be super basic. Um, I mean, Slave Leia did a lot of things for me it as a kid. It was very formative as a, and, as and a I, and I seven And I get it, I get it. It is now like re- reclaimed as the Hut Slayer outfit whenever Carrie Fisher was asked about it. Um, in later life, she's like, I, like, someone that was like, how do I tell my daughter that you wore this? She's like, tell her that I killed the fucking slug with a chain and then I changed. Yeah. Like, and it's supposed to be this whole thing, I get it, but just purely, go, ah. Uh, I'm just saying, if we don't wow. see Poe Dameron in, in a, a banana hammock, outfit, like, then we, uh, there's no justice, is cool. what I'm saying. Then fan service isn't a thing and you let me down, J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Come through. Yeah. Uh, the pacing of this movie is also pretty amazing. Like, the fact that um, our friend David Blix pointed this out. Uh, episode 4 has basically one ending. Empire has two. Return of the Jedi has three. three. The, like, this is this is what I can't wait for in Rise of Skywalker, ideally. Because you have... Rise of Skywalker will have nine. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but in this one, like, you have your Jedi fight, you have your ground unit fight, and you have your space fight all happening at the same time. And that 
that scale is epic. That is the that is the Star Wars, like in all in literally. Your thirty seconds begins now. Talk about whatever you want. Okay. Um, in Return of the Jedi, I really love the fact that Luke somehow gets Vader out of the Death Star without anyone noticing that he's dragging his body. That's insane. Um, <laughs> also the fact that he gets a little mini funeral pile to himself. Um, I think this is a great. <laughs> It's a great capper on, on the series. I think that somehow they had all these movies that could have ended here. I think it ends in a very fun, celebratory way. I think they get Han and Leia together wonderfully. I think their relationship um, is pretty much cemented in this one. It wasn't great in 4. It works well in 5 and 6. I think Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill all clearly love each other so much and work so well. And it is so fucking fun to look on screen and see everyone having a blast and loving what they're doing. And it is such a beautifully wholesome end to that trilogy. All right, time. All right. Speeder bikes. One thing, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention about it, which I did not get to mention, breaking his own rules. is the most amazing reaction shot ever, which is Harrison Ford when Carrie Fisher's kissing him after she tells him that she is Luke's sister. Yeah. Um, is the funniest is fucking thing. one of the best memes on the internet. Oh, Harrison Ford is, his gift <laughs> level is at an all-time high in Return of the Jedi. Yes. He has everything. Uh, sorry, I'm going to break, break my own row for that 30 seconds to defend one thing that you guys didn't bring up but people have on the internet. Uh, why does Obi-Wan Kenobi sit on a log? He's a ghost. Uh, because in the first movie, Obi-Wan is a voice. In the second one, he is like a somewhat corporeal vision. And in the third one, he has a fully realized Force vision, which is why he can sit on a log. He's slowly learning more about the Force from his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, who taught it to Yoda, who learned it from the Wills that is all in Clone Wars. And then, in The Last Jedi, Yoda can physically hit Luke with a stick as a Force ghost. That's just not something I ever needed explained <laughs> I saw it on the internet. Why does a ghost sit on a log? Because he's learning more about the Force. Great. Why, Why does... does a ghost sit on a log? Because he remembers that he was once a person and, like, maybe he wants to sit for dramatic effect. My other point about this Force ghost shit is when they bring Hayden Christensen in as the Force ghost at the end. Why does he get to look the hottest he's ever looked, but Alec Guinness looks like Alec Guinness because, and not as no, Obi- no, 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 no. Because that's the last time he was truly Anakin. I know the end is the death, whatever, he's redeemed, but that's when he was Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan his entire life. He should look like the Eggman. He should look like the Egg Vader. I'm just saying, also... <laughs> he is the Eggman. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan had a rough stretch of time. He aged... 19 years! In 19 years, <laughs> he went from Ewan McGregor in, like, his prime... To Sir Alec to Guinness. To Sir Alec Guinness. And we will find out just how in a Tatooine couple years on Disney+. Plus. fucking rough! How was he cutting his hair? With the lightsaber? <laughs> no, I, I think he's... he had a luscious lock. Oh, no, you know what he's gonna do? He's totally gonna find, like, an... Uh, uh, a, a shitty protocol A 40-something-year-old widow that runs a cantina in Tatooine that he becomes friends with. Mm-hmm. That's... Oh, uh, yeah. There we go. I'm into that. Show read, me that. Read the, Kino- uh, the, the uh, book Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Or I is hope it he gets Amy ab- Sedaris again? Yeah, no. I, I hope he gets abducted by Ugh. fucking Prince Humperdinck and gets the life sucked out of him in like the same chamber that Wesley gets his life sucked out of in Princess Bride. It's Star Wars! Whatever! And that's how he ends up looking like Alec Guinness. Or he gets electrocuted but just for like five seconds instead of a minute. <laughs> like, oh shit! Oh, I know you'll be back, Humperdinck. And in greater number. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, came out in 2015. J.J. Abrams directing. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is where we get super into fan fiction in the modern Star Wars films, mm-hmm. in the modern canonical Star Wars films. Um, I can say when I saw this movie, I left the theater. Uh, my roommate at the time and I left, and we both screamed in exhalation, mm-hmm. exaltation excuse me, because Star Wars was back. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was so excited when I left this movie. It is... Beat for beat, A New Hope. And you know what, folks? For Because of the track record we had from 83 to 2015, I was fucking okay with that. Yeah. Um, this, 
without hyperbole, this movie changed the entire direction of my life. Like, I don't have... I don't work at the site I do without this. I don't read the books I do without this. I don't have the tattoo I have without this. I don't think about media the way I do without this movie. I saw this movie eight times in theaters. Um, this is a really rough year of my life. So every weekend I went to go hang out with my friends on screen. It, 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 it The technological advancements compared to the previous movies were... You can't explain how much how much more incredible they were. The acting was beautiful. The story was incredible. And it rebooted a franchise in a way that brought it back to the masses. It rebooted my own life. Like, I mean, I love... Again, as a kid, I loved the prequels. Then yeah. I went to sports. I went to theater. I went to all these other things. And then when Force Awakens happened, it brought everything back fucking a thousandfold yeah. with this new cast and all these new people still loving the old stuff, too. And it was a line they shouldn't have been able to walk, and they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this movie looks so good too. I think it's you brought up a good point. Like, it yeah. really looks great. Yeah, Lauren, you got anything you want to add? It looks amazing, and I love these characters. Like, who's your favorite character mm-hmm. in the pre- in the prequels? Like, that's in, what's your favorite? In the, in the sequel or sorry, trilogy? yeah, what's your what's your favorite new addition to to this, favorite, that was introduced in my Force favorite Awakens? character, or like my my favorite addition or what? favorite addition that was introduced in this movie? I love Finn. I love oh, Finn. He's so more good. Than, like legitimate people that I know in the world. Um, oh yeah, easy. I I adore Finn. I adore his relationship with Poe. I but I love, I love everything about his arc. I love the idea of t- of like taking the stormtroopers and allowing to like to see them as people. I think it creates a little bit of a paradox, like morally, with how we treat stormtroopers in in the new trilogy, where it's like they kind of still get mowed down really fast, but we're supposed to be like, oh, Finn was in there. I, that could have been him. Mm-hmm. We learned your clone army was um, bullshit. Yeah. But I love I love this story of him like finding who he is as a person and like I I adore his friendship with Ray so oh. much. I love these two people who have like never had much self-worth or like had a family or had a home or had like any form of affection and mm-hmm. like learning to love each other and being their own family their excitement when they leave the planet after the, yeah. after all oh, after one of the best most badass flying sequences of the millennium falcon on a planet we've never seen the millennium falcon mm-hmm. fly in atmosphere before yeah. um their excitement of like you did that and you did that and that was so cool i never left the planet that was so fun wait what's yeah. your name yeah like, it's so and then when they beautiful when, like, Ray gets kind of kidnapped and, like, taken away, and then they, like, they meet up again, and then they hug, I uh. was, like, I've, I've never gotten more emotional over a hug in my life. I'm just, like, God, these are two people that need each other so much, and, like, they're, again, pe- everyone in Last Jedi who says, like, oh, well, they were apart, so, like, why do we care? It's, like, but when they come back to each other you still feel the ramifications yeah. of the groundwork that was laid in this first film. Yeah. So that when they're away, you feel that distance. You still feel that they need each other. And when they're back together, it's a celebration because you just love who they are. And Finn has that, like, Finn is an amazing character because he has that with two different characters. Yeah. And he like, has that with Ray and he has that with Poe where he's, like, legit has maybe, like, two, like, two scenes of screen time together with Poe. Mm-hmm. And immediately you're like, holy shit, I would watch an entire movie of this. And I think, so Ray is my MVP of this movie for my heart. But She's like, fantastic. But for Finn is, is the, the moment I knew I would love this movie um, to the level that I did was the, is the flight out of the Star Destroyer with between Finn and Poe. And he says, Finn, uh, I'm going to call you Finn. How do you like that? He goes, Finn, I like that. And then just the lines of, 
I'm Poe, Poe Dameron. Good to meet you, Poe. Good to meet you too, Finn. Like they still while have... they're doing something unlike the it was, prequels. Exactly. But that it's... was the moment where I was like, "Holy shit, this movie isn't gonna be amazing." It's like I, I, I literally just got goosebumps just saying those lines. It, it, See, it, for me, it's even it... earlier than that. For me, it's when it's like when, when it's like you need a pilot. When it's yeah, literally like... it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. Yeah, I need a pilot. Where it's like, are we gonna fucking do this? That and, moment and, where they're like immediately yeah. like, and then Poe goes, "We're gonna do this." He goes, huh? "Yeah, we're gonna fucking do this." Yeah, and which then, like, is what a lot of shippers are doing. Like, we're gonna do this. Uh huh. Like, yeah, you know. they're gonna fucking do this. Accord- like, <laughs> they should have been boyfriends. It's fine. Okay. All right, you got thirty seconds. All right, my rebuttal against people that say this is just Force Force Awakens part or New Hope Part Two. Um, I think at that point you're you're reducing entire character arcs and entire plot points to previous media because you want to feel superior in your critique. I think that if you go into a movie thinking about what can I compare this to in the past, uh, you're naturally going to be able to do that because there are six original stories in the history of the world. Um, in this particular movie, yes, there's a bigger planet. Cool. There was a second Death Star on Return of the Jedi. Fucking deal with it. Uh, Kylo Ren is a completely unique character that was not in the first movie. Yeah, he's not his, Darth Vader at all. His struggles between light and dark are so supremely different. He's dealing with the idea of legacy and who your parents are and how do you live up to that, whereas Luke had no concept of that until even, um, episode five. You have people like Leia and Han dealing with fucking space divorce, which is something that we had all thought ended happily after six and it I clearly didn't. I want to see that marriage story. I thought space divorce was outlawed in most parts of the galaxy. Exactly. So, if you go into, this was the first movie that people said, I'm gonna go into this looking for the things that are wrong with it. And you will find that but if you go into it thinking how am i gonna love this you fucking will awesome all right let's get into it the much derided but by this group majorly loved episode eight the last jedi yo okay lauren uh, this movie's a goddamn masterpiece okay and you can't take that away from me everyone hates it online can suck my fucking dick this movie is great Everything that you hate about this, you loved about Empire Strikes Back, prove me fucking wrong. Yeah. Canto Bite is, like, not perfect. But I do agree... <laughs> no, I do, but I do agree that it is thematically very interesting in what it brings out of the characters. Yes. Like, like, as much as you can say, like, oh, I did not like the technical, like, goofiness of the actual escape scene, I think that, like, it, what it is saying about, like the wider world of Star Wars, like, not just the people who are directly, like, the Resistance and, the, like, the Empire, are like, and about, like, the wide-reaching ramifications of people that just profit off of this mm-hmm. is really interesting and is something that has never been explored in the Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is an incredibly interesting thing, and what it brings out in Finn is incredibly interesting, and Rose is the fucking heart of that plot line. Rose mm-hmm. is an amazing character. I love the thesis statement of this film, which is, like... <clears throat> Like, things are going to fuck up if you play by the rules of, like, the legend so far. Mm -hmm. That, like, you have to make your own rules. You have to make your own decisions. And you have to trust people and not Mm -hmm. go by what the heroes of the the previous ages would do. You have Mm -hmm. to do what is right in the moment. And ultimately, you're not going to win by killing the other people. You're going to win because you love each other and you have something to fight for. And that is, like... I love what this says about deconstructing, like, toxic masculinity, specifically within, like, the the language of heroism. Yeah. That, like, there's this idea that men have to be, like, the alphas. They have to, like, sacrifice themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that Finn goes to sacrifice himself in this film, which is a move that in any other, like, narrative would would be, like, a heroic moment and would be sad Mm -hmm. but would be celebrated, and that Rose is the one to say that that is bullshit. Yeah. And then, the like, victory to, is winning. The victory is living and fighting another day. Yeah. And this extends further to Poe, who is, like, a great character we fucking love in Seven. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the Han Solo of the trilogy, but is even more skilled. I'll fucking mm-hmm. say it. And then 
he does a thing in this in this movie at the top, which is a victory in any other movie, but he gets slapped for it because he fucking kills people, and then he goes and mutinies his vice admiral, which if it were a man in command, we would think that he was a fucking asshole, but because it's Laura Dern, people were like, well, well, yeah, you know. Uh, but Poe commits mutiny, he sends Finn and Rose off on a mission, and that mission is the sole reason the First Order finds out about the Resistance ships and destroys the Resistance. Yeah. Poe's mutiny, his unwillingness to trust, his unwillingness to believe in a woman that is higher ranking than him, causes the destruction of the entire Resistance, which he finds out at the end of the movie just a little too late, but then he starts to grow. For more, more on that, read Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse. I think this entire film is filled with like decisions that are made by people who are playing by the rules of, of the story thus far mm-hmm. and that are punished for that. Yep. And because it's and like Luke gets it. Yeah, Luke gets it. Like you're punished like they're punished for those decisions because it's like think for yourself. Play by the rules of the world right now, not the rules of before because mm-hmm. ultimately what matters is learning from your mistakes. Is like learning from failure and coming back from that. The uh, greatest teacher failure is like it's amazing. That scene with So first of all Mark Hamill is Oscar worthy in this movie. Fight me. Uh, secondly, Mark Hamill and Frank Oz doing Luke and Yoda scene at the burning tree is one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars, and I think is the entire thesis of the franchise. Yeah. I think my, my favorite thing, which we haven't spoken about yet, but it is my favorite thing, uh, from Force Awakens that then gets, I think, doubled down on in this movie is, like you were saying, I, I'm constantly amazed every time I watch this movie how interesting I think the journey of Kylo Ren is. <coughs> yes! Uh, and I think, oh, th- I, and I think that the, the relationship between Kylo and Rey is very interesting as well. The Force timing is fa- is fascinating. Um, but I, I think... I I don't take umbrage with what you were saying, Lauren, <coughs> that I think like a large... A thesis of this movie is we're not going to win by killing them. We're going to win by saving the things that we love. I think the thesis of the movie that I take away is kill the past uh, and let it like let the past die, mm-hmm. which I think is the point of this movie. And I think it's echoed in that sentiment, which is that the old ways, <coughs> the ways we used to do these things, the ways that movies used to be made, I think the re- mm-hmm. a large thing that people didn't like about this movie is that it's the most meta Star Wars movie. Yes. Because it's deliberately and directly commenting on franchise uh, filmmaking writ large mm-hmm. about, hey, the way that we're going to be able to do this is to move forward and create new tropes and new legends and mm-hmm. new characters <coughs> and new stories rather than repeat the past. And what braver, cooler, and better way to do that than with the most established franchise in cinema history. Yep. I think this movie is fucking amazing for that. And for mm-hmm. those reasons, I can forgive it any of the, like, how stupid I think that the... The horses on Canto Bite look. Fathers. Can I just say, I think, I agree. I think that is the thesis <clears throat> statement, but I think it's like the thesis statement, but I think you have to look at who is saying that, because like the person who says, like, let the past die, kill it if you have to, is Kylo Ren, <coughs> who I don't think is right when he says that. Mm-hmm. He says that, and like that is about, like, no, we start, we like burn everything to the ground, and we build it anew, which I think is something that, they, that the movie grapples with and brings up, but it is saying kill the past but do not go forward without knowledge of the past right. and without right. learning from it absolutely i or, think it's a springboard for a more complex idea absolutely yeah. but i think that that idea is one that's like that that idea goes counter to even doing sequels to this franchise right yeah. which i think is fucking amazing I would also that you say- have it in there and i think like yes it's like oh the bad yeah. guy's saying it whatever but i think it's it goes to further uh, make his character more complex mm-hmm. because 
It's one of the few times we talked about this a lot in our Grindelwald episode about how like everybody talks about how convincing Grindelwald is, <coughs> and there's never a moment where Grindelwald's convincing. Right. And this is a moment in this where I go, of course you're like he's dressed in all black and he just killed like you know Snoke and a shit ton of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know he's a bad guy, but also this argument is a pretty good argument. Yes. And I can no. I can see how Ray would consider it, it. Or at least hear that and go, no, he's not all bad. <clears throat> right. Like, he yeah. wants something new. He's not trying to be Vader. He's trying to be something new. Yeah. And we need to take that energy that he has, because it's useful, and curb it towards the yeah. light. And the, and, the, and the performance by Driver is in his eyes. Yeah. He's incredible in this movie. Well, it's that thing where it's like the villain is... <laughs> is right... But just a little bit off. They need a little. Like, help. It's like yeah, we're just like you're right. That's like you know you're you're like it's that that like really what makes him an interesting character is like you're so close to getting it, and yet mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. It's like he's it's it's that idea where like that's that's the thesis statement, and it's right. It's right de- and and wrong depending on how you interpret mm-hmm. that. Like he, like let the past die, can be interpreted in the Kylo Ren way. Mm-hmm. Kill it if you have to. But it can also be interpreted the like the Yoda Luke way of like we need to die and pass this on to the next generation, mm-hmm. and so that thesis statement is right and wrong, which is why it makes it such an interesting two sides of the coin for Rey and mm-hmm. Kylo Ren, representing the two different interpretations of that line. Yeah. I think the other thesis statement of the movie is the the greatest teacher failure is. Yeah, I think that that to me is the true thesis statement of the film is like the greatest teacher's failure. Yep. And because everyone in this film fails. Yeah. Every one of our heroes fails and, like, is set up to become better because of it. Yep. And I think that that's what it, what I really latch on to. And I also love that Ryan Johnson at every turn knows exactly what you expect him to do and then doesn't do it. Yep. Yeah. Or knows what you expect him to do in the third in the third installment and then gives it to you now. So you're just reeling at the end of this film. That, like, when Rey and Kylo Ren turn together <coughs> and start fighting together... Mm. First of all, one of the wildest movie experiences I've ever had. Because, yes. Because you expect it to happen, but you don't expect it to happen then. Nope. And in that way. And Ryan Johnson just did an interview this week about how it's just like, why would you do a franchise movie like this and not challenge your audience? Yeah. And not make them want to learn something from it and not want to, like, why would you just give them exactly what they expect? when you could teach them something or you could make them question something in themselves because didn't we love Star Wars because it's like, it is this skeleton of legends that we know but with new stuff on top and new questions and new people. And like, I think that that's what makes the movie so incredibly fascinating to me. And that that just keeps, it really does just keep rising in my esteem again and again. And I think Ryan Johnson is like genuinely a genius. Um, and this movie gets a fucking bad rap. And I know that I, I just turned off the, the, the Oh timer. no, the timer's been off. I turned off the timer because you know what? Like, I just, I'm really <laughs> mad that, that people, I, I, I've seen a turn in the, like the last week towards like, oh, well, like between the cast and JJ Abrams into a kind of thing of like almost apologizing for the movie because there was such a backlash. And I really think that's the wrong move. And I really like, I want... I, I wish that Disney really stuck hard to that line that they kept after this movie came out and was incredibly financially and, like, critically successful. Yeah, I mean, because, I... Because, like, I, the movie is good. We all thought it was good <clears throat> back then. And, like, everyone hated Empire Strikes Back when it came out. And yet, here we are. I think we'll look back on Last Jedi as the bravest Star Wars movie since 
Empire Strikes Back. I think so. I genuinely I think, do. I think this movie will hold up incredibly well. Yeah, in, it's in the ring. Yeah, it's gonna be fine. I think that. I mean, again, the re, the. Uh, I, we I don't ju- have to talk about any no, of no, the no, no. Abram shit. Like we don't. Yeah, yeah. The only the, I was, the only comment I want to make about that is was was that that, that now in the, in the Star Wars verse there's there's now the the exact opposite of what people did with killing Marie and all them happening. Not not with not with us now with any people we know, but like the the part of the internet is now going that way with JJ and all of them. I'm about saying you fucking cowards. Why is Red Skywalker going back and all this stuff? And it is just as angry. And that is completely the opposite of the Rose thing. Like we gotta love the Last Jedi. We gotta love what we do. And ultimately face the realities of people on a press tour trying to talk about how much they love a current film. And blame the reporters and people trying to get sound bites of why they don't like the Last Jedi. I also Jedi. don't know that it's the same thing though. I because I think they hated Kelly Marie Tran for existing. Oh no, no, they in, did. Being in there, right? But I'm saying that like, we're not gonna. You can't fight fire with fire. Yeah, but I do think there is an element of, like, being critical upon someone for, Kate, like, what appears to be. And it's not just one interview that he's given, and it's not just one member of the cast. It does seem to be, like, multiple of them are saying, like, oh, we are glad to have J.J. back and to do, and to, like, kind of course correct for, like, what was viewed as, like, kind they're starting, it's starting to seem like it, there was a failure with Last Jedi that, like, isn't there. And, like, whether or not, and I don't think that he is saying outright, like, that was a failure, but I do think there is an element of towing the line in trying to bring back in and entice those people who were, like, I'm out after Last Jedi, and who are incredibly toxic people that I, in many ways, I am just like, fuck them, we don't want them in the fandom. Like, that's kind of how I feel, where I'm just like, don't give those people what they want. Don't feed those trolls. Sure, yeah. And justify that. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I feel. That, like, that's how I feel. Where it's, it's that thing where, like, we were talking about earlier with George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I don't want to give those people a cookie. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to give them a win. <clears throat> it's the same way that I, like, I felt about the, the new, like, Ghostbusters movie came coming out so soon after, like, mm-hmm. the, the 2017 Ghostbusters got, like, fucking ambushed from all mm-hmm. sides. Where it's just like, no, I don't think that people that treat their creators that way and that treat movies like that and treat marginalized groups like that... I think if you act like that, you don't get rewarded with a cookie. You can leave the fucking fandom. And I, because I don't think that's what Star Wars is about. Yeah. So there's, there's, there is, I understand the knee-jerk reaction of like, don't do that, JJ, please. You know? Right. Right. And, and I'm saying from my, from my reading of it, when I've seen those, those, that is, is that how I, I read it? people are upset. Right. No, I, I know people are upset, but I also think that this is the movie that is putting, like, speaking of especially marginalized people, Rose is getting an even bigger role in this movie. Jana is a brand new character, woman of color, that's getting a giant role in this movie. JJ said a celebration very publicly. The best thing Ryan did was cast Kelly Marie Tran. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing Ahmed Best back for for a, his own show on Disney+. Plus. Like, they are actively saying, fuck you, to the people, but they're not trying to get into debates about The Last Jedi on a Red Skywalker press tour. Yeah. They're going to talk about how much, like, John Boyega got shit on on Twitter to the point where he had to apologize on Twitter because he was like... I don't take the criticism to heart um, because I find that I'm stronger than that. People are like, oh, you're calling Kelly Marie weak. And he says, no, absolutely not. But people are looking for John to fuck up like that because they're, they think they're defending Kelly, but they're actually just attacking John. And John has also gotten to the point where I love JJ being back so much, which is not a dig on Ryan, which they all said they love so much, but because JJ is such best friends with all of them, they were so excited to work with their friend again. And the fact that they are having to clarify every single excitement they have about nine by saying, no, it doesn't mean that we're not excited about eight. 
is reductive and I think taking away from the joy of a film and is guaranteeing that neither John nor Daisy is going to come to Star Wars Celebration in the next 10 years. I, I honestly feel like all of this conversation is why Star Wars fans are the worst fans. I agree. Uh, like yeah, because it's I, all because there's a subset of fans that suck. Exactly. Well, and I, but I think it's it's and you know we talk about this. This is yeah, not my reasoning for not watching the Clone Wars and Rebels and and Resistance, but I think it's it's been a lot of my. I've gone. I've started watching bits of Clone Wars because I love this world and mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit more about it. But it goes back to something I've repeated on this podcast several times, which is. I should not have to do homework to enjoy a movie. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of how I feel about just movies in general. I shouldn't have to know that like, you know, uh, I shouldn't have to know about what went down in the, uh, in, in the choreographed scenes between Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman and Big Little Lies to appreciate that scene. I shouldn't have to know how much Joaquin Phoenix starved himself to enjoy his performance right. in Joker. I shouldn't have to know any of these things. Let your fucking movie speak yeah. for itself. And we, as the audience, will interpret that. But all this is doing is just adding, postulating, and speculating to the point of like, it's, what it's doing is wetting an appetite and trying to create yeah. hype before a movie comes out, and that's all it is. Yep. But what it is, but what it also does on a toxic level is it allows people to go into these things with preconceived notions. It's the same yep. way that I go into Solo after hearing Lord and Miller, two filmmakers that I really get excited by, got fired from a project and replaced with Ron Howard, a filmmaker that I think is fine and mm. workmanlike and, and achieves past like good movies, like solid good movies. And I go in and I'm looking for the things that are wrong because like it or not, as much as it is like Kathleen Kennedy doing like, no, this is our franchise. We care about it. We're mm-hmm. doing this. And so this is for the good of the thing. You can say that all you want. I'm going to create my own story because I know that you fired this guy. Yeah. So the fact that Star Wars is... as and, and I don't think there's any way for it to not be this way. It's the biggest franchise ever. Because Star Wars is so public with their behind-the-scenes lives, it's impossible now... I'm finding it more and more impossible to separate that from the movies and i think the reason why the original trilogy holds up as well as it does is because there was not that access back then i, I, was not I could the, not yeah i couldn't agree more like i have deleted fucking twitter and facebook off my phone for the last week just to kind of prep red skywalker i'm so much goddamn happier yeah um like i i help rest our side i can't have i can't avoid it um and some of it is very good discourse but at the end of the day the less the less you engage with anything on there, the more you're going to love the movie first off. And then go talk about what you want about it, what you liked about it. But, like, yeah, just fuck, fuck yeah. it all. No, I'm totally remembering what happened when I was... when Like, right now, I think it's important to remember how I felt, like... Like, I would have been so much happier, like, two years... When the last one came out, I was on tour. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting to see the film until I came back to Chicago, because Ian and I wanted to see it together. Yeah. And, like, everyone went to see it the night before, went to see Last Jedi the night before, and then came back, and I was, like, still super excited to see mm-hmm. it, and they were all like, that movie fucking sucked. Yep. And I was just like, okay, well, I haven't seen it, so, like, yep. fuck me, right? Oh, yeah. And La- so I'm like, I think that, like, if I had not had that experience, if I had, like... Gone in cold. If I had gone in cold and I hadn't had a bunch of people around me being like, this movie fucking sucks, which, like, I still fucking loved it, because, like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. And I still went in being like, it's my movie, I can feel whatever I feel yeah. about it. But, like, it's hard to watch things in, in a vacuum right now. And not knowing the wider context, like, unfortunately, Star Wars has become just, like, incredibly politicized now. Yeah. And so it, it it's hard for it to go in and just be like, this is a movie. And not go in and be like, 
okay, this is what the what the movie has decided to like do about yeah about the people who are in the fandom who fucking suck. Yeah, and 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 the last thing I do want to say about Last Jedi before we talk about Tross a little bit is like, I I think that Tross Tross the Red Skywalker <laughs> you fucking noobs um is uh I was after my first viewing of Last Jedi. I was kind of robbed of having just an opinion about it. Like, The Force Awakens was only what it was. And it I loved it so much. And Last Jedi, I do think, is a better movie. But I have also absolutely felt the pressure in years past to love Rose more than anything, regardless. I, I, I don't even remember what my original thought was because I love Kelly Marie Tran. And I felt such a responsibility to defend her from trolls that I, I kind of don't remember what I actually thought about the character originally yeah i also think that there's parts of the movie that i'm like if i criticize i'm giving trolls fire so like i don't publicly talk about things i don't like about movies because when i think that's especially in a public online forum is dumb and only hurts creators that are trying to make fucking movies like jesus christ um i know we like rib on this podcast but we do acknowledge it takes a fucking miracle to create a film yeah um but i i i'm going to rise of skywalker not looking at so many things and honestly i'm gonna take myself away from the discourse afterwards a lot because I don't want to feel the pressure of liking certain characters or liking certain things or hating certain things because I'm supposed to. I just want to watch it as a movie. And I think that that is increasingly hard and it will only get harder as time goes on. Yeah. It's just like, it's just this fandom is particularly messy in that regard. Yep. It's really unfortunate. So just love what, you, love what you love. Yeah. And that's why it's just like, fuck them. Like, if, like, fuck the trolls. Like, just enjoy the things yeah. that you enjoy and like... Don't it, be an asshole about the things that you don't. Yeah, you know? and like, it, if just, you cannot like things, just like don't be an asshole. About I also it. just keep thinking about like because I it's the one major thing that Lucas keeps saying that I absolutely agree with, which is these are movies for kids, and that like it's faking in space, and it's and like we can love them. Fans like fans who are like you know in their mid to late twenties like we are can love them. Fans that are in their forties and fifties can love them. Anyone can love these movies, but when I hear like. The, like those people I, I got into a conversation with a person the other day that was talking about how he thought kylo ren was a quote whiny little bitch and why he didn't like any of the new movies to which i said well these movies aren't for you and he said yes they are and i said but they're not they're for kids they're not yeah. for me either i can enjoy them and i cannot like them it doesn't change the fact that these movies are supposed to be for kids yeah and like honestly you being you saying you think kylo ren is a little bitch and you don't like that character is like you an adult man leaving an, like a showing of finding dory and being like i didn't like that they didn't just fucking kill off marlin like what the fuck these also, cowards it's like are yeah. you kidding me like it's a perfect movie we get you get some like there are some star wars movies that are for you for all of the OT fans, that's where I'm like, Rogue One, Solo, these movies are for you. These are the movies that are deliberately playing to your nostalgia that are like, hey, we know that you've spent fucking 40 years complaining about how easy it was to blow up the Death Star. Here's a movie explaining that. You know what? Eight-year-olds that have no idea that this plot hole and this discussion exists on the internet are not going to give a flying fuck about rogue one they just want to be broom boy they just want to be broom boy yeah and these like the 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 trilogies i think are like especially this new trilogy and that's why i, I don't fault force awakens at all for being a retread of of a new hope is it's here to induct new fans and it's yeah. here to induct young fans yeah. like fucking kids that maybe don't have the relationship to star Wars that you have because you were so lucky to be born in 1970 and see it when you were seven years yeah. old. Freddie Prince like, Jr. Does a great rant about this on Instagram and uh, it's on YouTube yes. now. He's the voice of Kane and Jarrus in star Wars rebels. He knows more about the force than any of us will go check that out as well. Uh, one last caveat I want to add on that. 
on the opposite end of that, if you don't care about any part of Star Wars and you're talking to someone that clearly does, you're not cool for telling them it's not cool. Like this, this sports is, ball. Yeah, this is my one soapbox I'll get on because I I get very afraid talking about Star Wars still nowadays, and it's not like fucking boo hoo like pity me. I get so nervous showing off my tattoo, wearing a Star Wars shirt in mixed company because I will still get made fun of by well-meaning friends that are like, "Oh, you excited to see the movie? How many times are you going to see it? Whoa, that's kind of crazy!" Like you know, it's for like. And no matter what joke you make, you're not as funny as you think, and it will sit with that person and make affect what they love. And I think that if you don't respect a Star Wars movie as much as much as you do, like a fucking whatever indie movie that's coming out that is also phenomenal, that's fine. You don't need to make yourself feel bigger by talking about these franchise movies, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, Transformers, whatever it is. You're not cooler. By telling the person that loves it that it's not cool. So this holiday season, you're going to meet a lot of people that are very excited about Star Wars and are going to be seeing it a lot of times over their break. And one comment you make about how dumb it is that they might see it will ruin their entire week. And they won't tell you, but it will actually hurt. So let them love what they do. If you don't love them as much, that's fine. You don't have to grill them about what was wrong with it while they're at work. That's how I feel about organized religion. I don't care if you're religious. Just don't push your religion on me. Yeah, yeah. Don't push your your Jedi religion on me and don't, don't push your hatred don't on me. Don't grill people in public spaces. I think what we're just saying is like, maybe don't be an asshole. Period. And that is what Star Wars is all about. The yeah. Don't be an asshole. Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> Calm uh, down. Cool. Do you want to go into uh, Rise of Skywalker stuff now, or do you want to go into the rankings? What do we want to do? Well, let's do rankings. Let's, let's end with just a little speculation. Oh, so, I didn't even write my Or down, speculation. So gonna... uh, no, it's fine. I'm just going to do it off the top of my head. I was going to say, I know mine off the top of my I head. I wrote mine down. They change a lot. All right. Um, I'll go through. Should we go down from one to the last one, or build up to the top? I think build up to the top. Build up to the top. It's the, the excitement. Yeah. All right. Uh, then my, uh, I'll start off my number 11. What I just think I it was originally a prequel. Now it's it's not. Now it's this fucking Clone Wars movie. I thought that movie was wretched. Great. Uh, not a fan of it. Uh, uh, same. Yep. Um, my uh, next up is Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. After that is Attack of the Clones. Above that, this is hard. This is hard because I wanted for a time, it was Solo. Then Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. but I think I gotta go Revenge of the Sith then Solo because Solo at least <coughs> looks really good mm-hmm. and like had some interestingly composed shots. Even though what I didn't like about it on rewatch was how fucking dark a lot of the cinematography it's dark. is. It's dark to the point where I'm like, I know this is supposed to be a this is supposed to be a bright, silly comedy. Like, yep, brighten up some of these shots, Brad for Young. Most of this looks great. These costumes look great. These glee glop designs look great. I want to see them. <coughs> Um, so yeah, so Revenge of the Sith, Solo, Rogue One, after Rogue One, I'm gonna go, uh, Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Empire, my number one is Star Wars A New Hope. Alright, solid list. Yep. A New Hope is just like, it's one that I, it feels like a complete movie no matter what, Mm -hmm. and it's my, like, that is my favorite (coughs) comfort food to watch. Love like it. of this of this franchise. Whenever I think I want to turn on Star Wars, I always think about Droids in the Desert. Yep, I think about that opening scene. Brilliant. 
Um, I don't know how to say this, but Ian and I have the exact same list. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I That's knew it. That's amazing. The exact same list. Damn. All right. Fuck yeah. I thought I'd at least get you because you'd have Empire above A New Hope, but here we go. I, think I Empire, love A New Hope. I think Empire's a better movie, but my favorite is A New Hope. That's yeah. fair. It's the one that I'm going to like put on if we're like, hey, do you want to watch a Star Wars movie? I will always put on A New Hope. Yeah. it's That's my brain. Yeah. Eric? Love it. All right. Bottom. Attack of the Clones. Okay. Phantom Menace. A Gap. <laughs> uh, after that. Your Gap comes much lower. My Gap came after Solo. Oh, I know. Um, oh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Okay. Clone Wars movie. All right. Wow, you really love. You that. like the Clone Wars movie better than all the prequels. I do. Like, I loved it. Like I fucking Java? love the Clone Wars. <laughs> you like that little hutlet? Yup. Gross little red. You like stinky? I love Ahsoka <laughs> and Captain Rex. Captain Rex, I'll fucking die for. Um, I do like that. It's only eighty minutes. <laughs> it's also good. You gotta turn one on. <laughs> it's like half the length of Sith. <laughs> exactly. After Clone Wars is uh, and honestly, from here on up. Like, I will watch any of these at any time. These are all very close. They're all, like, in the 90s, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, Solo. Then above Solo, we have Return of the Jedi. Then we have Rogue One. Oh. Which which used to be right there with Solo. And then my last rewatch, I'm like, I fucking love Rogue One. That's the one, honestly, I will turn on in the background most of the time. Because I just love having yeah. it play. Uh, after Rogue One, I'll have A New Hope. Okay. And then I'll have Force Awakens. Then The Last Jedi. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. Number one. Wow. Nice. Okay. That's great. I mean, yeah. Empire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and honestly, this is my my list is it drives Charlie nuts because she always asks me and I'm like it it is honestly a mood dependent list. Sure. In this last rewatch, I was like Empire. I'm just awed by its majesty. Last Jedi. I'm it and it's because we're in the week up to Rise of Skywalker. I'm like this is where I am. I'm so fucking excited. I love this movie. Yeah. Force Awakens. It rem same. I'm, yeah. I'm so in this mood with these characters and it brings me such joy. And then New Hope is basically perfect, and Rogue One is, like, my newest high, so... Yeah, that's but, what I am with the Harry Potter books. Every time I reread them, I have a different... My favorite stays consistent, mm -hmm. but all of them underneath yeah. that fluctuate Yeah, and, and I always... I always, I, I don't like to judge people for their list, but the only slight judgments I have, Empire and Attack of the Clones better be in, like, the same rough ballpark for everyone. <laughs> that <laughs> Those, those should be relative bookends. Like, even if they're not, like, number one and number 11, it's like... Number four and number nine. Like, I, I kind of want those on, on the ends. Yeah, it kind of, that makes the most sense. Yeah. Awesome. Do we want and let's speculate a little bit for, for Rise of Skywalker. Not very long, um, because I have... Because truly, who the fuck knows? Well, and I, I admittedly have, uh, I mean, I've watched both of, like, the full-length trailers that have come out, but I've deliberately tried to avoid TV yeah. spots. Yes, I have and, too. I, I know. And I've tried to avoid a lot of like the press stuff for yep. these exact reasons that I spoke about because I find it yeah, very I toxic. Yeah, I haven't watched much of the like the interviews. Other like I've seen quotes from yeah. it, but like I think the TV spots are like we're trying to get you in. I'm like I've bought three tickets already. Like yeah. I don't the TV spots will do me no good seeing out of context scenes. You don't need to sell me. And like the problem the problem that I have because of this is that most of my speculation going in kind of running counter to like where I was with Endgame where I was like, here's what I think will happen and what I want to happen. A lot of my going into Rise of Skywalker right now, unfortunately, is here's what I hope they don't do. Sure, that's a different take. Based on based on just kind of like the general vibe. And I general just vibe. I'm just not really a fan of of feeling that way, you know? Yeah. 
So it's like yeah, the I'm one. Not, I'm not looking forward to like like rooting against things. Happening. Yeah, like my one big thing that I just kept thinking about was like, what's the one thing you really want to happen in Rise of Skywalker? My big thing is like, I really hope that they don't retcon Ray's parentage. Like that's like the one big yeah. thing that like it's the one hill yep. that I'm like, I really don't I want them to do that because I think it just the broom boy image. Yep. Means so much to me. I I don't you can keep think they like midi chlorians is like like whatever like if if that's the standard then cool. Raids just somehow as midi chlorians like that's fine whatever. I just don't. I think it means so much to not yeah. have like to a not lineage. Have it be a legacy. Yeah, to not have yep. it be a legacy and to have like the the Skywalker in question of the title being just kind of like the family name in general. It's Kylo rising to that or Kylo. That's or, my hot take. Or honestly, like make a being about Leia, which I think it would have been more about Leia had. Which Carrie is also Fisher a fascinating answer. question of like yeah. Carrie Fisher's death fundamentally altered the change of Star Wars, which is kind of, in a really sick way, a beautiful thing. Where like this is an actual death that affected events, which yeah. is what yeah. stories are. I have awesome. a prediction that I think will happen, but I also don't want to be the guy to to be like, yeah, I think this is gonna happen because it's a very cynical prediction. Yeah. So I, I also like Eric just saw me pull a face when I when he said the thing about mm. like it being Kylo. And I would like to say that is not because I hate Kylo Ren or that I am opposed to him having Oh interesting any... you say that on air. Oh okay. I... Wow. <laughs> I am not opposed to him having redemption. I'm really Bendemption. Bendemption. Um but I just, I felt so strongly, like, as a natural extension from the, like, reveal about Ray's parentage, I feel so strongly, like, the number one, like, thing that I would, I want so much is for Skywalker to become a title rather than a family name. Yeah, I think it can. I would love for it to become, like, not, like, Jedi. not, not to, like, take over the word Jedi, but to, like, in the tradition of, like, kill the past and like learn from it mm -hmm. to like not reinstate the Jedi order just with a new name but to become its own thing to like create a new order of the Skywalkers of the, of the Skywalkers that is completely separate from like the Jedi and the Jedi Council that is like truly like burning into the ground and like starting anew with like a new idea of like light and dark you know like Christ is <laughs> it my my... But I, that's what I want. I want Skywalker to become a title because I think that is the natural thing of just, like, I love... I What I love about Rey's parentage is just, like, anyone can be a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Anyone <coughs> can be a Jedi. You could be a Jedi. I can be a Jedi. Anyone can. You're a Lebowski. I'm a Lebowski. Yeah. My... My one is so much simpler than both of yours. Yeah. I just want Wedge in the movie. Like, I... As long as Wedge and Antilles is there, I'm good. Like, like I'm just excited to see Wedge in it, and honestly, my... We've seen ghosts in there. We've seen... Like, my biggest um, freakout moment is gonna be, which I assume is happening because of JJ's love for homage and because it's wrapping up nine films, is the moment where they say all squads report in for the big yeah. space battle. And it's gonna be everyone. everyone. Like it's gonna be fucking. It can be Wedge. It can be Hera with the ghost. It can be people from Resistance. Like this is gonna be, like for everyone else, it's gonna be Final Red CGI Seven. Ahsoka. <laughs> like fuck. Like right though. Like there, baby Yoda. I, like, I think there, there's a possibility. Oh man, if there's a little baby Yoda. Thanos. Thanos I'll, I'll oh walk. God, I'll, I'll fucking, fucking walk out. I'll walk out. I'll roll out? my eyes. Oh, okay. I feel like there. That's the thing is that Ian was talking about. I'm like, I feel like there's one thing that pretty much everyone has going in where it's like, shit. If that happens, I'm walking out of the theater. Yeah, I'm done. And I know what mine that's is. That's stupid. I ha I hate that I can't get past that thing. But I, and because I feel like there's a decent chance of it happening, 
But it's like I have my one thing where I'm like, I will be furious if this happens. Yeah, but I don't want to think about that because no. I want to go in and no. enjoy like, a great I, I want to enjoy it, like, and I hate that I can't get past that one thing. I hate myself for that, but I'm just like, nah, I really don't well, want that to happen. We'll reveal it on our podcast if it happens. Uh, yeah. After the movie. Because you'll, you'll find out um, when I walk right. down the We theater. will be releasing a spoiler alert for The Rise of Skywalker, which we will be recording after we go see it Thursday night. At 6 p.m., baby. 6 p.m. Um, and one and last... then I'll be seeing Cats, and then we'll do it after that. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, one last thing I want to put out that I love about this movie that I'm so excited for. The music in the final trailer of The Rise of Skywalker oh. makes me actually like actually physically cry. I say that a lot. There are physical tears. On the way here, I listened to that trailer, just the audio, um, and wept because what John Williams is doing in this film is so beyond anything I could have ever imagined, even in two-minute trailers. Uh, I cannot wait for that. Uh, guys, it's in two days, and, um, so Star Wars Battlefront 2 just put out a content update where they added costumes from the Rise of Skywalker and, like, the Sith Trooper and two other races, and I played that before I came here, and I got chills looking at Finn's costume on my video game. Finn, baby! Um, I've never been more excited for anything in my entire life. I'm very excited. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for all of us. I would say the number one thing I'm excited for... Finn and Poe are back together. They yeah, are. Yeah. And, and also, if you haven't seen any behind-the-scenes stuff, boys. Oscar Isaac and John Boyega love each other so much. Also, like, Oscar Isaac gets it. Oscar Isaac, can I just say for the record, Oscar Isaac gets it. He's like, I wanted them to date. Yeah, he's a hot man. And hey, who knows? We'll find out. Yep. They're probably never, baby. not gonna, but they always will be in my heart. In my heart, they're boyfriends. And maybe in the books. <laughs> and maybe in the books. And maybe in the books come through. That's the one time... We- you know what? I'll bring you on the show. You know what, Eric? <laughs> if that happens... I've been asking to come on that show for months. And you're saying... Eric, I said, let you've me been do- saying hot takes. I said, let me do my Mandalorian hot takes. Let me do Mando Hour. And We just, have Bounty Hour. We have a Mando show. Then let me do one where I just talk about the shit-eating kid from episode five. <laughs> and and how that's the one misstep the show's had so far. If, the little can of Ollie. If Finn and Poe get together an extended universe book, that'll be the first extended universe book I have read since I was 13 years old. Brilliant. There I will go. gladly read that and I will come on your show and be like, I... Come through, baby. That's what. That's the name of the book. Yeah. Here's I, come through, baby. Come, come through, through, baby. Come through, baby. All right, baby. <laughs> Colin, a Star Wars story. It's a prequel to Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> Oof. It's what nice. they deserve. Makushla. <laughs> anyway. Deserve to be happy. Uh, anyway, that is our show. As you can tell, we're very excited. We will be back with a spoiler alert episode about the Rise of Skywalker later this week. Uh, Eric, talk to us about the Living Force Pod. Living Force Podcast, every single Friday, comes out uh, talking about the extended universe, all things Star Wars comics. We are all in Rise of Skywalker mode. We just did an episode on our top five books of 2019. If you are new into the Star Wars world of books and you want to know what are some good ones that just got released recently, check that out. If you like the prequels, read Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. If you like the original trilogy, read Bloodline by Claudia Gray. If you like the sequel trilogy, read Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Yeah, Claudia Gray. Great, great author. Great author. That's why her name's that. What's the one that just came out that's like the pre- Resistance Reborn by Resistance Rebecca Rowanhorse. where Poe and Finn are flirting. Yeah, she's a, she's a native-born writer. First Star Wars book she's ever written. It's uh, widely acclaimed, and we're bringing her back for more next year. Fantastic. Awesome. Folks, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Not Another Film Podcast. <laughs> if you like the episode, please go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of them. Leave us reviews. Leave us comments. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We will be back in the new year with fresh episodes about hot takes about our favorite slash not favorite movies from when we were growing up. We have a ton of stuff that we're really excited on the docket. Please send us your requests for movies that you would like us to do at notanotherfilmpodcast.gmail.com. And if you are a Chicagoland resident and you want to be on the show, send us an email at notanotherfilmpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to have some fresh blood in here so it's not just us three old geezers sitting here talking about it. Okay, Star Wars boomers. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, folks. May the we gotta say we gotta, yeah, we all say it together. May, May the, the force, force be with you. you.